4: outstanding here to close out the week that doesn't look good Jake. what's wrong what do we got here oh got like a 45 degree angle bent jack for his headphones there <laughs> i don't think i don't think these are gonna work right yeah, i don't do think those are to... functioning at a very high level that looks like the reds who was here as of late let's see who was the last
1: person that used these headsets i don't know like?
4: Mark... do you need me to buy you some time
3: around
2: third. He's coming into we'll stop it third Belliger, oh, no
3: stay hot folks those are balls well where are you gonna go That's are you right. gonna abandon
4: you being a Reds talking?
5: fan are you gonna abandon
4: following this team I think Luke Weaver just threw another ball is it even Luke Weaver I feel like it's a different first hand. um oh. four walks in the
1: inning. these things on
2: and David Bell yeah, is
1: we, out. He's taken his out. way. Off. He's been ejected. Nick. We're just playing some really good highlights. Right now. Uh, can we turn the oh, airplane. David is protecting way up to his pitcher on top the mound. I can see your breath. But the folks, those are balls. As yeah. you were, Kevin, I'm going to find some headsets.
4: I have really not seen the Cubs fandom celebrate something like this since 2016. Well, let, uh, some let, some might make the argument that they actually are celebrating this more than the 2016. Well, let's be honest here. I, I'm, I'm in a room with
0: two Reds World fans. If this was on the shoe was on the other foot, you guys would be hammering me. Oh. If the Reds
4: put up 36 runs on the Cubs in two games. Literally taking this Red season like no other in stride mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. realizing that mm-hmm. peaking on August 3rd is probably a pretty ludicrous thing to try and attempt. Mm-hmm. So... Um just worried about the Nationals at this point, and you guys worry about the uh worry about the Braves. Right? I am
0: worried about the Braves more than I'm worried about the Reds at the moment. I, I will disagree. Can you hear in- yet, Jake? I-, I will dis what's that? Can you hear? Well, I took the headsets oh. off.
4: Here, Jake. Go
1: I- I'll disagree in one area, Mark. You're right. I mean the, the run explosion is impressive. But I really do think if the, if the Reds had done that to the Cubs, I'd be like, whoa, like that's that's something. But I wouldn't do it as like some sort of a,
4: we just won the NLCS type uh, deal. Uh, okay. Oh, it's not the NLCS. I mean, this no, is the World Series. No, this the is Reds yeah, aren't going to be the NLCS. This is Waveland. Mark's sleeping in the Ivy. Nagu. You know one thing? This let is... me give you a
1: Cubs unpopular opinion, okay? And good morning to everybody. On a Friday, it's a good-looking start to the day. And we'll talk uh, about a number of different sports over the course of the day. But let me give you this one Cubs thought that I've shared before. My mom, my, before I was born, my parents lived in Chicago. My dad was in the steel business. He got his first real big job at uh, J and L Steel up in the region, and so my parents lived in Park Forest, Illinois. I don't know if you're familiar with Park Forest. Yes, I very familiar. Yeah. So my parents lived there when my older sister was my oldest sister was a toddler, and my middle sister was born in Chicago, actually. And my mom was a stay-at-home. Mom with two child, two young children. And so she watched the Cubs because they were on like every day. And she became a huge Cubs fan. In my childhood growing up, my mom watched every, still does. My mom still watches every game. How about those Cubbies? They're just so lovable. And my dad became a fan because of my mom. They're both Cubs fans. So I've been around Cub fandom. And I liked them, I, admittedly, in 84 when they went to the NLCS, I got into it. I loved Leon Durham, uh, you know. I don't, I don't dislike the Cubs by any stretch. Wrigley is phenomenal.
0: You're going there in a couple days. I am. I'm
1: going there Wednesday. But all that said, until the 2016 World Series run, and and just before that, maybe the one or two playoff runs before that, so from my childhood, from basically birth until uh, all the way through like the Ryan Sandberg era, and I. this is probably me, this is probably me, admittedly, but I don't know that I'd ever heard the fly the W as like a rallying cry. Oh, yeah. It's definitely social media. I I, I was like, what? Well, they fly the W flag after a win. Okay. But the whole like, fly the W, fly the W. I was like, I've never heard that before.
0: No, that's the age of social media where everybody's trying to get a hashtag going and all that stuff. Okay. I
4: wanted to. It is rather amazing. And obviously, I reluctantly. Oh, I can hear you now. I reluctantly say this uh 46 runs scored by the Cubs in that four game series that is the most they have put up in a series since the turn of the century before we just turned 23 years ago 1900 and the Reds allowing that number of runs also the most in a four game series they've allowed in that same time span it makes you wonder how much athletic stuff how much of
1: that was well they go out and get a Pitcher from Oakland, and here we go, right? Oh, look looked decent. How much of the explosion by the Cubs the last few days was the Cubs, and how much of that was the Reds just completely... Well, I themselves. think
4: anytime you score forty six, it's got to be a little bit of both. I mean, right. there's a
0: couple of moments where the Reds are kicking the ball in the infield; their balls are bouncing off the I, I, I know. outfield
4: wall, and oh, yeah. well, last night it was struggling. I mean, Weaver had that stretch there of what eight straight balls. We were walking guys in with the bases loaded. Um, so yeah, it is a. I said this yesterday. I mean this in all seriousness. Whether you look at the NL Central or the Wild Card, right now, it is going to be a wild, wild final two months here in trying to settle what that looks like. So jumbled. I mean, outside of the Braves, um, if you pretty much have 55 wins, you are in some sort of race, potentially two races. And, and that's where kind of the Reds and and the Cubs maybe, uh, certainly the Brewers, uh, they could be in that mix. So uh, ugly. Mark, congrats. Hang the banner.
3: Folks, those are balls.
4: Those are. Thank you, Jeff Brantley, for that. Uh, Greg Reichstark going to join us coming up at Eight, Nate Atkins at 9. Um, Jake, question I'm going to ask Rake. Do you think Greg Rakeshaw gets the next answer on Jonathan Taylor?
1: The next answer? Correct. Uh, I'm not... Uh, sorry, I don't follow what you mean.
4: So Greg Rakeshaw in the month of August takes on TV preseason duties. Right, right. And within those duties, I think on an annual basis, Jim Merce joins the TV booth. At some oh, point Oh, gets the next during, I see what you're
1: saying I thought did I, Okay, I misunderstood What you were asking
4: During a preseason game Now, it, we probably Should point out Again, the NFL Mercifully And thank you Last night By the way, the overhead Last night Did not see that coming And the Browns Did you guys see DeMarcus Ware singing the National Anthem?
1: That was pretty uh, impressive he, he more like Stated the National Anthem, yeah. right? I thought he did a nice job He was fine um, you, he, Wait, you you guys Thought he did okay? Yeah
0: Sure He was doing it For his uh, fallen teammate Mary's Thomas, so I thought it was good. Yeah, it was a nice you, tribute. I'm not saying he... he, you I didn't he was, say, I am, I'm not saying this is like Whitney know, Houston exactly, yeah. or anything like that, but it was good. You thought his singing
4: was okay? He sounded better than Mike Wells on a Friday afternoon. Oh, boy. Uh, Anyways. I, I thought
1: it was a little rough, but...
4: What you have with the three... Preseason games is actually the Colts are only going to have two broadcast on local TV. They will have, what, two weeks from tonight? Three weeks from tonight? We will be, um, I guess, three weeks from right now, we'll be recapping their final preseason game, which will be on Amazon. That is a Thursday nighter against the Eagles. So, next Saturday, Rake Rick Venturi in Buffalo with Larry Overton. Boom. The Saturday after that, it's Marks Bears, right after the joint practices here at Lucas Oil Stadium. I don't see Chris Ballard meeting the media anytime soon. Jonathan Taylor seems rather content to just share his thoughts on social media when he feels the need to. Jim Mersey in the booth in that Bears game, is that the next time we get someone of significance with the Colts chatting about Jonathan Taylor? Well, and the other
1: thing that's interesting, Kevin, let me throw this at you. I think Jim Mersey's answer on Jonathan Taylor may not be entirely the same answer you would get if true serum was in Chris Ballard. Like, I think Jim Mercer is going to say the same thing. He's not going anywhere. And I think if you're Chris Ballard, you're going to reach a point where you're like, yeah, but I've got to do something with this here. Yeah.
0: Do you remember you what happened the last time the Bears came for a preseason game? That some news oh, might have geez, broken during Martin. the game. Are we going to get that again? You had to go there. I'm just Chad saying.
4: Kelly had such a great night for the Colts. And I'm just saying. All the talk was about one Andrew Luck. Will history repeat itself? Hanging it up there. Uh, Yanni Kangakwe, Mark. I love it.
0: That, I was a, am... that was a move I was pulling for in free agency, and glad to see it happened.
4: Yanni Kangakwe last night. Uh, one year was it? Ten million. Yeah, ten and a half, but ten million guaranteed. Ten and a half million—that's a nice, healthy deal for Yanni Kangakwe joining Matt Eberflus and company in Chicago. So that's me. That means, I guess, he'll be back at Grand Park, right? Uh In about twelve days. A lot of former, a lot of former Colts coming to town when that happens for the joint practices. I where I'm a little surprised by this. I didn't realize at the time. Mark and you obviously probably know this better than anybody. The Bears were dead last in the NFL in sacks oh, yeah. last season.
0: Edge rusher was a big, uh, big hole that they needed to fill, and they didn't really address it in the draft. So a lot of people were like, well, they got to be signing somebody. And uh, GM Ryan Poles said, "Hey, a move might be coming." Everybody kind of put their feelers up and was like, maybe it's either Ngakwe or Justin Houston. Those are the two they were thinking.
4: Well, you know, Houston obviously has played for and right. Ngakwe and Iberflus did not cross paths. I, where I'm a little surprised is. I mean, Ngakwe is not a run guy. He he does not defend the no. run. Now, you know, to Mark's point, when you have as many sack issues as the Bears did last season, I guess that's where you go with it. It is still shocking to me that the back of the Yanni Ngakwe baseball card continues to say he is one of five players in the history of the NFL to have at least eight sacks in his first seven seasons. Five, five players in NFL history. And like you read off the list, and it's literally the four greatest pass rushers in NFL history, and then it's Yanni Kincaque, and now he's on his sixth team, right? Which is insane. I mean,
1: it's well, like, uh, this goes back to the, my Ray Langford, my Ray Langford stat. I mean, I have a category of this called Ray Langford. Reason being, to refresh for those that weren't listening the last time I mentioned the Ray Langford stat. When I was working in St. Louis and covering the Cardinals, Ray Lankford was the, I believe it was left fielder for the Cardinals. Good player. And I had just gotten there, so I'm familiarizing myself with the Cardinals. And I go, gosh, Ray Lankford's hit like 22 home runs for like three straight years. I'm like, why, why, like, why has he never been on like an all star team? This is back when that was impressive. Somebody goes, oh, yeah, well, it, of those twenty-two home runs, nineteen of them came when it was six to nothing in the ninth inning. And sure enough, the Cardinals would be playing in a game where they're ahead 13 to 1 and in the 8th inning, Ray Langford hits a home run. Or they're down twelve to seven and in the ninth inning, Ray Langford hits a home run. They were all like meaningless home runs. And I think there are those that feel with Yannick Ngakwe. The sacks, while a sack is a sack, a lot of them may be coming in situations where they were meaningless sacks. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, I think it applies certainly a bit last year. I think we all felt that Ngakwe certainly didn't, you know, whatever, have the type of impact that maybe the stats indicate. But to, to do it for seven straight years, I mean, I mean he, he's, he's on a list with Aaron Donald, Reggie White, Derek Thomas, and Demarcus Ware. imagine taking that ice step test yeah which which name does not belong with the other ones on that list um so yeah uh Ngakwe was I think kind of the last big free agent of the Colts from last season to have joined a team uh we have still not seen Samson Ebukam since the opening day of camp he's been dealing with a hamstring injury he was the free agent signing that Came over from the 49ers, the Colts viewed that as a guy that was on a very deep defensive line, and similar, I think, to Nico Autry back in the 2018 offseason. We'll bring him here, we'll put him in a bigger role, and we feel like we can get a little bit more consistency, three downs, than what we got out of Yannick Ngakwe. So how much
1: did you watch last night of the Hall of Fame game? Can they have a Hall of Fame game without issue?
4: Yeah, did you see they, they couldn't
1: shower afterwards? And like Didn't the lights go out, or the power went you think out? they just f-
4: bust to Lake Erie, and they all jumped into Lake Erie for the shower? <laughs> if you're Cleveland, you probably just turn around, you know what, let's just go home. Um, I had it on in the background. Uh, Tarico tried to hype up Kellen Mond for me, and at that point, I was like, all right. I'll just have it on in the background.
1: You guys? I, I did not say. I, I was actually, last night, I was the green flag waiver of the Run 317, which is a cool deal. So that basically what that is is it's an organization that, for charity, does different, you would say 5K, but it's 3.17 miles uh, runs throughout central Indiana. Last night's was on Mass Ave, and then coming up on August 31st, they have one in Carmel, and then to end out the year September 21st through Speedway. They just they go around the runs.
4: roundabouts like 130 times in Carmel?
1: <laughs> That's right. You get very confused as to where it's going. The merging is really a challenge. You know what I mean? Like Zola Budd and Mary Decker Slaney on the roundabouts is, whew, good luck. Um, last night started right right in front of Bottle Works on Mass Ave, and they had me waving the green flag, Kevin, and they are like, oh, you just go out on the ladder. So I, I, there's a ladder just sitting in the middle of the road. I'm like, okay. So I climb this ladder, and there's a big, huge green flag, and I'm going to wave it while people are running past it. And everybody's got headsets in, and they're adjusting their watch and their music, and I'm like, please, no one hit this ladder, or else it's going to get real ugly, right? I'm going straight backwards onto the pavement. If somebody runs into this ladder, it's going to get ugly. And you're on blood thinners. You might have just exploded. <laughs> yeah,
4: That could have been quite the way to start the race. That's right.
1: But it was, I'll tell you what, it was, uh, it was fun. And so... Nice night. It was a great night. It was warm. Um, They gave me a bib to run, and we already Shannon and I already were like, well, we're going to go to Drake's for dinner because I was craving the Drake's lager. So uh, Emily Longnecker actually ran with my bib. I hope she ran well so that my time looked good. Um, But it was fun. So I was doing that, and then I'll be honest, so I kind of forgot about the Hall of Fame game and then was looking afterwards on social media, and people were talking about Zach Wilson and – and then I looked in. David Bell had a couple of catches for Cleveland. Um, Dewan Jones, the kid out of Ohio State, and Ben Davis. He got yeah, a lot of he got a did, lot of run. They
4: did single him out. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, it was cool. It, it, it still is to me.
4: Maddie said I can't I'm clinging to summer bleep and believe football's back. That yes. was her first comment when she walked in the room and saw it on the TV. Yes. Her right. least favorite time of year. Which really sets up nicely for my Notre Dame fandom yeah. that is about to begin I'm, I'm
0: kinda with, with her, by the way.
4: <laughs> Greg Zerline made a bunch of field goals from really far. Matt Gay hit a fifty eight yarder yesterday, but then he missed a forty three yarder. Wide right. Yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? Let a uh let a drive there late to hit the over he was kind of electric right yeah zach wilson three of five 65 yards at a 57 yarder obviously no aaron Rodgers, no deshaun watson in that one the colts conversation today i know a lot of people uh wanted to hear a little bit more on michael Pittman's situation and i actually thought he gave a little bit more of an answer than i was expecting in regards to his own contract situation now he is handling it so we'll play that audio here coming up and anthony richardson we mentioned this yesterday jake i had a couple people reach out they were like we loved you guys narrating the final hour of colt's practice or i guess the final hour of our show the first hour of colt's practice." it did kind of get into a bit of a narration mode for us there with the 9 a.m start time to practice, I think next week we're out there Tuesday, Thursday, and then the following week we're out there just Tuesday. So, again, the practice schedule for camp really starts to kind of shrink up, particularly in the morning practices. Um, but we, as we said to you guys in the 9 o'clock hour, Anthony Richardson, again, was with the starters. He got 22 starting reps. That is the biggest number of camp. That is all 22 starting reps from yesterday. And so if you look at it through six practices – he, by my account, has gotten 19 more than Gardner Minshew. Shane Sykin tried to downplay it afterwards, saying that this was simply a day to make up for the day that Anthony Richardson had missed earlier in the week due to that nasal septum surgery. Um, That's but possible, this, right? It is, but this is certainly a change. I mean, again, uh, we'll see how tomorrow night goes when they're back out there, Sunday afternoon goes. But as I've alluded to throughout camp, that Thursday practice yesterday to me, it was kind of the first real like, alright, you've kind of got to start showing your cards with these quarterback reps, and every practice thereafter, you show more of your cards. The first card shown is, I would say, a good indication for those wanting to see Anthony Richardson pretty darn early in the season.
1: By the way, last night, Jets-Browns. Here's a question for both of you. I have a I have a feeling that we are going to have varied answers here. Who is the Poster child Most famous Signature Most recognized Most associated with player In the history of either franchise Not named Jim Brown or Joe Namath New York Jets, Mark Boy Um, We're going to go generationally different here I have a feeling
4: Yeah. First jet that popped in my head was Curtis Martin
0: Yeah, Curtis Martin Wink okay. Or bet? Okay, I'm not saying he's the best.
4: I'm just no, saying no. That's, no hey, it's no, I, I don't.
0: See, I don't think really Mark Gastonow,
1: but I, I realize that's Firehouse what, Ed.
4: What about the what about the butt fumble? You don't, you don't think of Sanchez? Fireman Ed? Rex Ryan probably more than anybody. Get a G from a modern Mark standpoint. Sanchez. Uh, it's got to be say jo- that it's got to be Joe Thomas for the Browns, right? Bernie Kosar? Yeah, I guess it's kind of hard for an offensive tackle, but I feel like Joe Thomas is such a. Just I mean, the he was a great story player. of Thomas for how many snaps he played. Yeah, he never no wanted question. to leave there. They talked about it last night you know, with Melissa Stark about how on draft day you know, he goes fishing I, and all I, I that. I think it's an
1: age difference for certain, right? Like, Otto Graham? I don't know. Ozzie That's Newsom, not bad. Ozzie, Ozzie, Newsom. oh, ooh, Ozzie Newsom's a good one. Yeah, I mean, you
4: go way back with it. Except Browns. for that yeah. Ozzie
1: Newsom's now the GM of... I mean, I realize right. it's...
4: Johnny Manziel.
1: Yeah? John, Johnny Manziel's up there.
0: Doesn't he have, like, a club opening at like by Texas A&M now? Did you see that?
4: That would not surprise me.
0: I was on a flight a couple of years ago going to IndyCar.
1: I think it was Long Beach weekend. And I'm getting on the plane. I'm boarding. And, you know, the first-class passengers had already boarded. And there's a guy sitting in first class, and he's, like, half asleep leaning up against the window already. But he's looking at his phone. So he's got his phone in his right hand. And I'm getting on the plane, and I'm boarding, and I think to myself, does that guy have the Rolex logo tattooed on his hand? Oh, boy. How, like that's a, how jealous were you? Like that's Yeah, no kidding. I'm like, that, that's an odd tattoo, though. And then I look up, and I go, I think it's Johnny Menzel.
4: Yeah, he's a, I played behind him in Calhoun's outing a few years ago. He, he's an interesting cat. And
1: so I go, okay, that is Johnny Menzel. And I sit down on the plane, and I thought, Okay. Literally four days later, it's like Johnny Manziel went to Coachella in California and completely trashed his house and uh, left it like $17,000 worth of damage. I'm like, oh, okay.
4: Speaking of Long Beach, tell us more about this Nashville race coming up this weekend. I know there was a ton of hype for it last year. By all accounts, terrific, I mean, aesthetic, environment, atmosphere. The race itself, if I'm not mistaken, was filled with a bunch of chaos and maybe some changes needed to be done to the course, but then next year we're going to get a totally different date on the calendar and a different map of the actual street race. Correct. We're getting a little Tootsie's involved on Broadway.
1: Correct. So if you are, have you been to Nashville, Tennessee, or if you have not, you have Nissan Stadium and the area where obviously the Titans play, and then there's a river that that is the difference between where nissan stadium is and then broadway is the main street where all of the bar the bars are okay so the indycar course has them they do go over the river but but it's to the side of broadway so in other words they currently don't go down broadway correct they do not go down broadway the indycar course which is a street course meaning they use the streets of Nashville predominantly they go around the area of Nissan Stadium, so kind of like the parking areas. Imagine if there was a racetrack that involved like going just south of Lucas Oil Stadium and then kind of around the stadium, and then they go over the bridge just south of Broadway Street. So they don't go past where all the bars are, but they do go over a bridge around a small industrial area and then back over the bridge again and around the stadium. It actually looks from the air by design, the track looks like a musical note. That's by design, with the big key of the note being the area around the stadium. <laughs> then the then the main straight of the note being the thing over the bridge, and then a little turnaround area through the city. So what that's kind of, the
0: current route. What kind of note is it? B flat.
1: You know that's C a very sharp? good question, and I, you know I hate to tell you this, Mark. I don't know how to read music. Oh, right. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so, but. Um, That's this year's layout, and this is the third year for it. The first year for the track, Kevin, you are correct. It was a very narrow track, so as a result of that, it was hard to pass, and there were a lot of areas of um, back traffic jams. Let's put it that way. They made some changes to it last year, a little bit better. This year will be the last year of that configuration because they are redoing Nissan Stadium. So as a result of that, the track changes, and next year it looks like the race is going to be the season ender. So the season finale is going to be in Nashville. So people predominantly from the Indy area, which is the home of your fan base. Yeah, that can makes go down, so much sense to me. Totally. Go down there, spend the weekend, go out on, on Broadway, go to all the bars. And then the race itself is going to incorporate that strip of bars apparently on broadway
4: i thought i saw three blocks was the official three blocks on broadway yeah which
1: is that would be super cool
4: and then still over the bridge which i think was a really cool shot camera shot last year from the race so this makes again checks i think every box from what you want and trying to create other points of the schedule to where there is some anticipation there is Um, a reason to want to attend that, the season finale, at least for me, and partly because it's on an NFL Sunday. But I've just never found myself being like, oh, appointment television, I've got to pay attention to that. I think the Nashville aspect to it, certainly they will want to get out of that NFL window if they can, but I think that would um, accomplish some of that. Speaking of Nashville, I think we obviously know one date next year that the Colts will not be playing at Lucas Oil Stadium. That first weekend of November. Taylor Swift descending upon Lucas Oil. How much is
1: Jim going to make that weekend, Kevin?
4: I mean, it's got to be sold out, right? So sixty. Well, I guess you could do more than sixty because don't you have people on the field? Oh yeah. So How many? T- 80, so eighty thousand 80, times three, so two hundred forty thousand people. Okay, so two hundred forty thousand. What's the average price of a Taylor Swift? And ticket I'm just throwing you know? out a loose, loose number there with the eighty thousand. What's the
1: face face value of a ticket for Taylor Swift? I mean, I have no. I mean, idea. face value, and I, I'd still have to say it's like 150. The average, yeah, probably in the hundreds. So we'll say 100. What are we going to say here? We're going to figure out real quick something. 240,000
0: tickets, right? Say 125. Do 125. Okay. Times 240. Okay, so that's 30 million. Mm-hmm. And what's the percentage? 40 percent
1: to the Colts. So 12 million to the Colts. That's just tickets
4: now is that going to be used on lolita to get lolita the whale into the pacific or is that the other way i think there's two whales now that he's trying to get into the pacific
1: uh, that, i'm i'm actually cool with that i don't know how that's going to happen though
4: have how we you, seen jonathan taylor's agent comment on
1: this yet i saw yesterday did you see that somebody did say wait a minute so this guy's got 20 million to transport a whale but not pay a running back that, that goes back to kevin
4: <clears throat> lolita move the chains on third and one
1: the reality is this i think jim mercy is a wonderful owner i think he's a good guy i think he's philanthropic and i think he's got a great fun spirit and i think his players i think most guys enjoy playing for him and i think his eccentricities in terms of his interests with the memorabilia and all of that stuff is wonderful and the way he shares it it's wonderful but it's just like andrew luck it's all well and good To have a quarterback that's different than other people because he rides a 10 speed while racing to go watch European soccer matches and read books about architecture. And that is totally cool and fun to have listed as what makes your quarterback unique. But don't forget that when things are not going well, people are going to say, can we just focus on football, please? And I think the same thing happens in the case of Versa. If it continues where their franchise is not doing well, eventually fans are going to be like, look, I think it's cool that you paid that for you know ray charles piano but what about your quarterback you know yep. et etc cetera, et cetera.
4: uh i'm not a swifty but thank you right here tony Dragna, the great tony Dragna. his wife uh has relayed this information to him they don't sell the seats behind the stage duh kevin come on now uh so it's like forty thousand each okay for each show so what what is that 120 so yeah i mean take so half what i just said but and I and listen, it's still kind of wild to me that they've chosen Indianapolis as a three-show weekend I, tour.
1: Tell, I think it's just stadiums, right? Like stadiums that so you size just are
4: looking for an NFL stadium. Period. Yeah. Don't care and where it
1: is in the Midwest. So it's you know people are going to be coming here
0: from all over. It wasn't
4: she in Cincinnati here this past year. Yeah, but I'll tell you, Kevin
0: it's all a her phenomenon stops. yeah all her stops are three shows just so that and obviously the demand for tickets was so miami,
4: high Miami, what did i say miami new orleans toronto was that the other city now yes. correct
0: that's right
1: toronto for like six shows she's the last this is the last u.s stop on that tour mm-hmm. now i have friends that have taken their daughters to go see her my buddy mac engel took his his daughter's like 12 and took her to go see taylor swift in dallas and he told me he's like Jake it was one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen
4: yeah yeah. my sister-in-law went incredible entertainer to the Titan Stadium back whatever that was June or something and just I mean, she was in awe talking about it.
1: That's what I've heard. It's like a three-hour non-stop Super Bowl show,
0: right?
4: Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be the first week of November. First, second, and third coming up in 2024. Safe
0: to say the Colts will be on the road that week. Yes,
4: I would say that is an accurate statement there from Mark Dykton. Hopefully not a lot of Cubs chatter today. I think we got it all out of the way to start Uh, the show. Again, Greg Rakstra, 8 o'clock. Nate Atkins coming up at 9. The Indy Star beat writer for the Colts. He's pretty adamant that he feels like right now Anthony Richardson is going to be that week one starter. So we'll chat with Nate about that coming up here a little bit. Again, a lot of Colts conversation to get to. Michael Pittman's contract-related talks, And Anthony Richardson with another day of him taking the starting reps. What to make of that. Good Friday morning to you. Thank you for tuning in to Kevin and Query to close out your week. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Jake Query Mark Dykton as well. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.
1: The morning checkdown.
0: Omaha! 93.5 and 1075 the fan.
4: Just play it, Mark.
0: What would you like to hear?
4: I mean, I we don't need to just beat it around the bush.
0: Those are balls. That was my favorite drop of the day.
4: That was when Jeff Brantley was saying like David Bell, you're arguing for no reason. Yeah. Those are nice.
1: Four walks in the inning. Oh, it's unfortunate. And David Bell is out. He's taking his hat off. He's been ejected.
3: David is protecting his pitcher on the
4: mound. The Bella, the, Jackson. J- her balls. the Bella Jackson was so pathetic. It was like, I know that my guy can't throw strikes right now. And to be fair, it was kind of a tight zone, but I thought it was a tight zone both ways. And it was just, I am so hopeless right now, and I don't want to see my team give up more runs, so I might as well hit the showers.
1: So the Cubs beat the Reds 5-3. That means they win the series, what, three games? Three out of four. Yeah, three games one. of
0: 16 the most runs since the all-star oh, I should probably turn my mic I'm on. I'm so
4: glad as Michael 13 all for of, all of 16
0: that. uh 3 out of 4 they've scored the most runs since the all-star break, you know, just peanuts right now.
4: By so the way, I don't owe you the six pack yet, Mark. Not right? yet.
0: There what did you say there's 8 games Kevin, left? Kevin, you're going to owe more than one six pack, That's brother. true. Because
1: the American League, cute fella, Baltimore Orioles, six-one winners over the Toronto Blue Jays. Checking I'm in to on think your you Diamondbacks. You guys should
4: give me a sympathy for having San cheer Francisco
1: one nothing over the Arizona Diamondbacks last night. Did the Athletics play yesterday? Yeah. they
4: Does lost. it
0: matter? Does it matter if they played? <laughs> they lost tough one
4: though. But I think they'll get hot here late. I don't you, see that they lost. Who do they lose to? I think it was like we, Dodgers or is somebody? It just don't an don't
0: automatic. See. We just know that. I, thought I saw like eight-three. You are you. Your Orioles have quite the padded lead at the moment. You you've kind of separated yourself from the pack here in this in this race. Hey, they might be a legitimate October contender. That 8-2, is true.
4: By the way, my A's lost for all of our listeners out there. I know, just waiting to hear Dodgers. Mm-hmm. That score update. All right, there is kind of a busy weekend from a sports standpoint. The Fever back in action tonight. They've got Connecticut, um, so they're trying to make that two in a row. Um, You've got Team USA, the women, in the World Cup. That is a 5 a.m. start time on Sunday morning. Uh, That is against Sweden. This is the knockout round, so we're we're down to 16. It's win or go home. You'll get penalty kicks. You'll get the whole shebang. No more ending in ties. And um, I don't think it's guaranteed by any means. The U.S. wins another game in this World Cup based off how they've played and the fact that Sweden, I think, is viewed as one of the better teams left. Uh, Jake IndyCar, was it McLaughlin last year who won in Nashville? Well, I gotta think about that. That sounds right. It was a, I mean, it was a crazy race as we
1: talked about. Marcus Erickson. It. Was it the first year Marcus Erickson won after going airborne? Yeah, that was year one. And I think McLaughlin last year's right.
4: This is our third year down there? Third year, yep. For some reason I thought it was only second. No,
1: third year. Um IndyCar this weekend. As a matter of fact, you can hear the car uh hear the car. Hear the race at uh what is that say noon? It's an early start time. Noon start on so Sunday, that's eleven central, which is smart because they do that for the driving purposes of fans from here, quite frankly, and it allows you to get back home in time. for- Allows well, the
4: drivers to hit Broadway pretty early, then after the race to celebrate. That's them. right. A lot of places to go and celebrate on
1: on Broadway in Nashville. No question about it. We have a text from Scotty, so he's probably correcting us on a statistical error here.
4: I'll offer uh, a little,
1: Dixon won last year.
4: I'll offer why? Am I, why was I thinking McLaughlin for some reason? Uh, I'll offer a little Colts camp update. No practice today. Night race, or night race, night practice tomorrow, afternoon on Sunday. That's the only afternoon practice of camp, so it'll probably be one of the hotter practices of camp. Next week, just Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be out there for both of those days, and then they are off to Buffalo. One week from today, they are off to Buffalo for their preseason opener Coming
1: up. Uh, One other note, by the way. Last night in the NBA, uh, Diana Taurasi had 42 in the Mercury's 91-71 win over the Atlanta Dream. The significance of that, she is the first player in WNBA history to reach the 10,000 point milestone.
4: Did you see they had live goats in the arena? (laughs) I'll bet Cubs fans like that. I mean, they literally had live goats behind one basket. Like multiple goats. Do you like goats? I hear goats are nice pets. I I can't say I know anybody that has a pet goat. Uh, Dana Benbow has a pet goat. Really? Yeah. I think yeah. she has two now.
0: Heck of a cleanup crew situation. I, 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 me? Would,
4: I would think so. Yeah. Trying
0: um, to eat your popcorn again? Somebody get this goat out of here, please. <laughs> yeah. Trying to eat my popcorn.
1: I, oh. I think they're like somewhat loyal and smart animals. I could be wrong.
4: Celebrating the Tarasi after reaching the 10,000-point milestone. Uh, all right, on the other side, Michael Pittman. Some comments yesterday in regards to his contract situation. Colts fans thrilled by it. Uh, we'll explain more coming up next here. Kevin Acquire here on a Friday. You could go Taylor Swift November first, second, and third, 2024. You know my at Lucas Oil Stadium with that, or you could go. You know my copyrighted line, don't you, Kevin? That's a uh, Jonathan Taylor reference. It'd be right, your Mark? first
1: chance to see a Taylor at Lucas Oil Stadium in November next year, right? Boom.
0: Yeah, a couple tie-ins right there.
4: Uh, Michael Pittman yesterday met the media. First time Pittman has chatted since uh, report day, so that would have been last Tuesday. For the most part, and I would say, honestly, probably every answer Pittman has given related to his contract situation, which, for those unfamiliar, it's the same exact timeline as Taylor. They both were taken in the second round in 2020, so they both have four-year deals, uh, both going into that final year of their contract. Um, Pittman has been very much in taking, whatever, the high road, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about it, I'll get paid when I get paid, those sorts of answers. Um, Yesterday, I found it a little bit more relevant to ask him kind of a similar question again because obviously the Taylor situation has played out majorly over the last nine days since we last spoke. Uh, Mark, will you queue up? This is Michael Pittman. The first question on if he expects to play without a contract extension this year and then the follow-up on if he would like one.
3: I mean... Do I expect it? I mean, like, I don't really expect nothing, really. I mean, I mean, if it happens, it happens. So, and if it doesn't happen, then yeah, like, I would play it out without an extension.
1: Certainly, the right thing to say at this point, right? And then the follow-up on if he would like one.
3: I mean, like, I think, or I mean, like, I think every player like wants to get paid. Like, I wouldn't mind one.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Michael Pittman with a little crack of a smile there after the final comment. Um... I think he was a little confused by—I actually asked him that, that first question. I didn't necessarily—maybe I should have worded the question better. I didn't ask it with the thought of, like, would he hold out? <laughs> you know, I had—no. I mean, there's no way Michael Pittman would hold out. Um, but, Jake, I tweeted out those quotes. I was a little surprised by the magnitude in which those quotes blew up and basically— the common tone was, that's how you handle it. Jonathan Taylor isn't handling it anywhere near that.
1: I've completely changed my tune, and let me tell you where I was wrong regarding Jonathan Taylor. I reserve the right to change my tune back again because these things are fluid. However, in the beginning, I remember saying, I'm like, look, in the end, I'll bet Jonathan Taylor, they end up coming with some agreement, and he ends up playing and having a decent statistical year, and we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. That, that's what I said like probably a week ago, Kevin. Um, I, I, I think we're past that. And I think the interesting thing is, as we talked about yesterday a little bit, on the Taylor side, the interesting dilemma for the Colts, you have an owner that has adamantly stated that he will absolutely not be traded, and you have a general manager who now at this point it's in his best interest to trade Jonathan Taylor. And then you have a receiver that is saying all the right things but becomes a weird ingredient in all of it because if all of a sudden now he gets an extension that literally dumps a thousand gallons of gas onto the fire for jonathan taylor right you
4: know michael pittman says those things and why does he say them jake because he's got the security and jonathan taylor doesn't correct Michael Pittman will get paid whether it's here, whether it's in Jacksonville, whether it's in LA, Where if they have a franchise in London, Michael Pittman is going to get paid. And even if they just slap the franchise tag on Pittman, you know the difference in franchise tag money from, my, from wide receiver to running back? Yeah, I mean... The franchise tag next year for a wide out, or excuse me, let's start running back. For a running back, it's projected at $13 million. So that's a yeah, obviously that's a pretty nice payday. 13 million, which is an uptick from I think it's ten point nine this season. The franchise tag for a wide receiver, twenty two point nine million.
1: I mean, Pittman's got to know number one yeah, that's the thing.
4: Michael Pittman, just with the franchise tag, which players hate, the franchise tag, Michael Pittman would earn ten million more than Jonathan Taylor. If both of them, obviously they both can't get the franchise tag, but if both of them got it next year. the They just have totally different job security. Yeah. They're in two different just atmospheres on how the NFL views their respective positions. Because, Jake, it's not like you can argue, I mean, Jonathan Taylor has easily been the better player through the first three years of their respective careers. If you were basing this strictly off of paying what they've done, you would obviously pay Taylor much more handsomely than you would... Pittman, but given the positions they play, of course Michael Pittman is going to take the higher road. Of course he's going to feel better about this. Taylor's the one that, again, I think understandably feels a bit slighted based off the past precedent of this franchise. I I think
1: Taylor should feel slighted based on the position he plays. I mean, just in general, the position, right? I mean, receiver is a more prioritized position, and in particular, anybody should know that when, I mean, when you are running with a brand new quarterback you've got to know that the receiver is the most important position period right
4: nothing i was thinking about with taylor yesterday jake was this two years ago jonathan taylor had the greatest running back season in the 70 year history of the colts jake you know this better than anyone the colts have had some pretty good running backs yeah in the history of their franchise what four hall of famers Edrin and Falk and Dickerson and going back to Lenny Moore? Yeah. So you're talking about a franchise with four Hall of Famers at the running back position, and in a day when running backs are devalued, Jonathan Taylor had the best season, just two years ago, the best season in the 70-year history of your franchise. He's 24 years old. He's never torn his ACL. He's never torn his Achilles. Last year, he missed six games. It was the first time... He's missed games in 10 years of playing football. I think Chris Boward would admit this, and I know the last week paints a different picture of this, but he works and he checks everything that you want off the field, and now we're here. Like To me, I, I, I bring all of that up just to say how stunning it is, and I can imagine how stunning it is for Taylor in that, like, wow, now we've gotten here to where... Obviously, he's extremely unhappy. The Colts have offered no indication that they want him to be here for the future. Uh, boy, it, it is. Um, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me when you think. And again, so much of this is rooted in the position he plays. There's probably a little bit of a health element to it. But, you know, again, Taylor can point to guys that obviously they've paid coming off injuries. Uh, it's just shocking to me. Uh, it
1: is. I mean,. What do I always say? We, we, we think we know guys. I don't think Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor's a bad guy, but I think I could see his frustration. I, I understand both sides of it. The, the guy that in all of the in the whole thing, Kevin, the guy that is literally, I think, stuck between a rock and a hard place is Chris Ballard. Because don't you think Chris Ballard, when he hears Ur say, like, there's no way we're going to trade this guy, don't you think
0: Ballard's thinking to himself, like... Hey calm down though i i you know yeah, what i mean i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't make calls and feel right calls. they're
4: the Chris like can i just
0: have a normal season just one time yeah. just one
4: please. which again some of it his own doing to be fair but correct the owner interjecting as much as he has probably isn't helping the situation i did find the reggie wayne comments in regards to michael pittman earlier in the week with us pretty enlightening you know i, I asked reggie the question of like okay what trait of a wide out in your current wide receiver room would you want in your own game? And obviously Reggie's a Hall of Famer, so it's not like he needed much. But when he talked specifically about Pittman, he just gushed about the work ethic of Pittman and how he's wired. And Jake, you have interviewed umpteenth coaches in your career. You don't typically hear coaches offer like a heap of public praise for work ethic. Because I feel like that's one where, like, if it gets to that guy's head, then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I am a good worker. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. you know, coach. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, I got and, them like, fooled, right? For, for Reggie to say that, I think resonates, at least for me, because I think Reggie worked like, like no other as well. Um, and as I've said for the past week or so, in relation to Pittman, I would be doing everything I can, if I'm the Colts, to extend him, to get him... Under contract, moving forward, because you've got to make sure that at least there is something in that cupboard. And I know people are going to be irate when they see the contract that Michael Pittman gets based off the production he's had in the last three years. I'd argue it's been pretty awful quarterback play he's had to deal with. But you just, again, you cannot skimp. You cannot take shortcuts with Anthony Richardson. And if you're going to let Taylor walk, you can't let Pittman walk too.
1: By the way, in college, you mentioned those running backs that have played for the Colts. Number of carries in college before they got to the NFL. Marshall Falk seven hundred and sixty-six carries in college. Eric Dickerson seven hundred and ninety carries in college. Edran James four hundred ninety-seven carries in college.
4: Oh, Taylor's got to be close to what nine hundred. Jonathan Taylor nine
1: hundred and twenty-six. Yeah, in in three years, right? And you wonder, yeah, you wonder if that doesn't also weigh into their thought process of when does the breakdown begin because it happens to all of them it happened with the Colts with Eric Dickerson before their very eyes it did not with obviously uh Marshall Falk and Edron James uh, that was more probably a salary deal
4: yeah I've always I I know we got to get to Rick, but I've always been torn on the on the debate with Taylor of could he be different than the other running backs uh, understood you know he he is a guy that is so in tune with his body. There are he, exceptions he's, he's,
1: to every rule, Kevin. But life typically is based sure. upon living by the rule and not the exception.
4: Yeah, that's totally fair, and obviously, I think that's where the cults are coming from with this situation. All right, Greg Rake Charles going to join us next, as I said, to kind of lead off the show. Uh, could it be Rake that gets our next answer in regards to Jonathan Taylor? We'll explain more coming up with him on the other side. Kevin, inquiry.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: Here on a Friday. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors hotline. You hear him pretty much every Friday with us at this time. He's Greg Rakestraw, and this time next week, he'll be packing his bags to head to Buffalo for the preseason opener. Rake, I wanted to begin with this. I was mentioning throughout the first hour of the show, I think you might hold the cards to our next Jonathan Taylor answer. Uh, I feel like it's an annual tradition for the owner to – slide into the broadcast booth with you and Rick Venturi at some point during the preseason slate of games. You guys are doing next Saturday and then the Saturday after, just the first two preseason games. So that would be, again, at Buffalo next Saturday and then home to Chicago the Saturday after that. Uh, Do you think there's a little truth to my thought here of the next time we hear from an Urse Ballard, maybe even a Taylor and get an answer on things? It could be with you.
2: That is a distinct possibility. We have not had those discussions yet, but typically Jim joins us for the, uh, for if, if it's, you know, two preseason home games, the first one, since it's just one, I would imagine there will be a second or third quarter visit from Mr. Ursay uh, coming up on August the 19th, but uh, that has not been officially confirmed to me just yet.
1: Greg, I was just saying a few minutes ago, and I know that, it's like a circular conversation because we're probably saying the same things over and over. And I apologize to people, but it is a burning topic for sure. Um, I think I was wrong. I, I think in the beginning I thought, you know what? I've seen a lot of these kinds of like pre-camp, you know, rumblings of holdout or malcontented player, and yeah, these these things always work themselves out. Uh, this one I think has potential to linger for a while. And I think Chris Ballard's in a tough spot because I think he... If you're Chris Ballard and your owner is talking about how there's no way Jonathan Taylor's going to be traded, that's the guy signing your paycheck. But at the same time, the guy signing your paycheck wants you to do the best job available or the best job possible at building a football team. And that might be right now to move away from a guy that claims that he just doesn't want to be here. I I think Ballard's in a tough spot. Your thoughts?
2: I would agree with that. I still think, I'm not sure everybody, you know, at some point in time comes together, holds hands, and sings kumbaya, but I still think that the best way for Jonathan Taylor to get paid, whether it's by this team or by somebody else, is to come back to playing. Um, and again, he was never going to get a rep, I, I don't think, in a preseason game, um, but by September the 10th. Um, and, and so. It, it, it may not be the same Jonathan Taylor, uh, who has always answered every question with a smile on his face, has always been the, the power of positivity. That has seemingly been replaced uh, you know, by, by a scowl, and, and I saw it yesterday. You know, he, was, he, was, he was on the sidelines. He was at every running back drill. He was there, um, but he looked like he would rather be anywhere else than, than, than where he is you know, at this present time. I still think that he'll be playing sooner rather than later for this football team, even if now long-term there is a desire to play for another football team because of how this
1: has played out. You know what's interesting, though, Greg? And it's probably power of suggestion. Would I have even noticed this if stories had not come out? I don't know. And I had not, when it comes to Jonathan Taylor and watching him walk around, I wasn't paying attention to his body fluidity a year ago, so maybe this has always been the case. But when he's walking around on the field, he does to me look like a guy that is favoring something in his lower back. And, and that makes me wonder if he doesn't need to be out there just to get some flexibility about him and work through that.
2: There's something to that. Um, there, there's a couple of things, and, and you know, you, you touched on it, and, and I felt the same way when I was on the Midday Show Wednesday. You know, I, I almost feel apologetic about it, because this is clearly the dominant topic. And, and part of what we do in this business is, okay, how do we find new ways you know, new ways to talk about the same thing? Right. If this is going to be something we talk about for, say, like six or seven consecutive shows, as you guys have now kind of been in that position, you know, since training camp started and since kind of the middle of last week is – Things started to kind of blow up you know, on this conversation. And almost in the process of kind of talking through things, you kind of check boxes or you make comparisons. And one of the things that struck me was knowing that, and it was Brayton Smith and Shaq Leonard, because those guys got extensions going into their fourth year, which is because they were second-round picks like Jonathan Taylor, which was their last year on their rookie deal. And clearly, obviously, J.T. hasn't had that same luxury. So to me, this now comes down to one of two things. One, the Colts are legitimately concerned about injuries with him, uh, that they didn't have those same concerns with Shaq Leonard. Obviously, those things didn't grow as soon as that extension happened. Um, And they didn't have that same concern about Braden Smith. So either, you know, it could be both these things are true, but either it is there's legitimate injury concern and that's why the Colts have pumped the brakes on, on having those contract extensions. Or two, the Colts are now taking the positions at which they are paying people a little bit more seriously. It has always been we're gonna pay our best players. Don't play if it's, don't care if it's a running back, don't care if it's a left guard, don't care if it's a linebacker, positions where guys aren't getting as much bank as 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 others do in the National Football League. So to me, it now comes down to one of those two things. And so, Jake, I bring that up because you're talking about, hey, just kind of watching him walk, he he looks a little bit different. Well, that might be issue number one as to why the Colts have been reluctant to engage in those contract negotiations.
4: Greg Rakestraw is with us. You're going to see him coming up the next couple of Saturdays starting a week from tomorrow. That would be afternoon game in Buffalo, a night game uh, here at Lucas Oil Stadium with Chicago as he's going to be your TV voice, per usual, here in the preseason for the Colts. Um, Rake, are you starting to make anything of the continued starting reps for Anthony Richardson in practice, or are you still in kind of wait-and-see mode?
2: I'm still kind of wait-and-see mode. You know, obviously, you know, you and I were out there yesterday and, and Shane, when they asked me, we said, hey, it's because he missed Monday. We wanted to give him back-to-back days. So now let's see what Saturday looks like. You know, let's let's see what Sunday looks like. And, and I have been steadfast in that Anthony Richardson will have every opportunity to win this job. Um, and, and, and it's his to lose in terms of he has to play his way out or basically demonstrate that he's not ready to play. Because, again, everything is long-term. Everything is, 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 is kind of you know, player development mode, I think, largely this year. Give the kid the chance to learn if you think he's able to compete for the job. So I think obviously time will tell if he's getting one reps tomorrow. if He's getting the one reps on Sunday. Now I think we got something.
4: Right, better chance to start week one for the Colts: Anthony Richardson or Jonathan Taylor.
2: <laughs> Sadly, at this point, I'd say Anthony Richardson. Um, I can't believe we're having this conversation, but it's fair. Well, I mean, to one's on the so field right now, so that gives him a slight advantage, right? I mean, I, I, I think I think you can. It's it's fair to say that. Um, no, I, I'd say Anthony Richardson.
1: Okay, so here's a, how about this: better chance to be the starter to be starting in Week Six, Gardner Minshew or Jonathan Taylor?
2: Um, I still say Anthony Richardson.
1: No, no, I no, I, no. I, I th- no, 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 I no, no, I think, no, 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 yeah. no, Greg. More likely to be the to be starting a game in week six, Gardner Minshew oh, or Jonathan Taylor.
2: I would hope Jonathan Taylor, but I guess as a to quarterback, I still think it's gonna be again, Richardson will get every opportunity to play unless he, he he simply proves he can at this point. So I understand your question. Um so of those two, Jonathan Taylor.
4: Rake, when you look at the O-line right now, we're six practices in of 13. So we're about halfway through. The starting unit, the same group that ended last season, has taken every single starting rep, that's over 100, together here through the first six practices. Nobody has subbed in or out due to injury, due to performance, due to battle. You look at that as great for continuity, or do you look at that as bad for competition?
2: Uh, I look at it as great for continuity. I mean, it's it's fair to go, okay, is there somebody that could replace someone if needed, um, but, you know, we've had those problems, you know, in terms of, you know, nobody can, you know, because 2020 was so different, we'll kind of block it from our memory. But, but seemingly there has been some sort of offensive line injury we have talked about, you know, in, in training camp for at least the last couple of years, if not going beyond that. So in terms of offensive line, I will always lean on continuity. Um, it is it has been, hey, these are our five guys. Let's let them play together. Let's let them see what what happens. And and one of the things that's been talked about from the last time that Chris Ballard spoke, you know, back in the open camp last Tuesday, is that, yes, you know, the overall product wasn't great from the offensive line, but it was better in the second half of the season. Well, these were the guys that made it better. And so now let's see the, the, the continued reps together. Uh, if, if if that will show some signs of improvement, because Lord knows that it has to.
1: Greg Rakesh, our guest, he is on the pale Thickers Hotline, of course. Greg, um, aside from the Colts, real quick, only because of your encyclopedic mind of sports. 39 years ago today, what happened? August, what is today, 3rd or 4th? 4th. August 4th, 1984. Ooh. Did Pete Rose rejoin the Cincinnati Reds? That's a good guess. No.
4: First training camp practice of the Indianapolis Colts?
1: Excellent guess. No. Uh,
2: hey, uh, was, how about was, this? Was it the, hang on. Was it the last day of the Olympics in Los
1: Angeles? I don't know if, if it was the last day or not. But someone who six weeks prior to that was probably relatively unknown catapulted into becoming the most famous person in America. Mary Lou Retton won the gold in the gymnastics competition? That is correct. Mary Lou Retton got the gold medal uh, 39 years ago today, which to me seems like six weeks ago. That that was was because of
2: that Olympic Sports Festival commercial you shared on Twitter yesterday. What's that? Probably because of that National Sports Festival commercial you shared on Twitter yesterday. The National
1: Sports Festival, I think a lot of people forget this, Greg. That was in 1982, and that commercial, which we should have Mark play it, because anybody living in this town that was alive at that time, that commercial ran... Like it, more often than the Hank FM promo runs on our station. Like it literally, <laughs> that commercial was every 35 seconds in Indianapolis with the swimming coach yelling, You got it. And then the jingle about the National Sports Festival. And there's actually still a building facade on Market where you can still see the faded paint of the National Sports Festival promo. Uh, that was basically the AAU National Championships for all the different sports. For amateur athletes in 1982, and Greg, it was a huge deal, and the precursor to the Olympic Games in '87, or excuse me, the Pan Am Games in '87, coming here, and literally, it it was massive. Charles Barkley played in it. Kenny Barlow was playing in it in basketball. Carl Lewis was here for track and field. Every sport, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. But um, just a different time, different era, I guess. But I think people forget that that was the footprint towards. The professional sports that we now have in Indy,
2: as someone that does a lot of sporting events on what is still the IUPUI campus, will be the IU Indianapolis campus uh, coming up at this time next year. Believe me, that that is printed into my mind as someone that calls games from Carroll Stadium and has called games from the IUPUI Gymnasium and has a line of sight to the IU Auditorium on a regular basis. I, I even though I wasn't here at that time that you know that that knowledge has been seared into my brain for many many years tickets are now on sale for the national sports festival tickets are now available for each of the 33 sports and 150 different events get your tickets now at market square arena and the usual ticket outlet the national sports festival
1: I guarantee you people in the car are like, oh my gosh. It was almost like a PTSD of hearing that because it played every 30 seconds from like 1981 to 1982, but it was cool. It was fun.
2: And there's a, there's a little nightmare fuel in that, in the way she said you got it on that audio.
1: Oh, I mean, it, it was like demonic, yeah. Um, Greg, let's go back to, because to parlay that into modern day, we had touched on this briefly with you, but I wanted to get a little bit further into this, the... The U.S. Tennis Center also was a big part of Indianapolis's sports footprint back then. It is yeah. on the IUPUI, as you'd mentioned now, IU Indianapolis or Purdue Indianapolis campus. Um, I drove past recently after we talked to you. I was like, gosh, where exactly was that? And it's, it's now essentially just a, a parking lot and slash field just to the east, I guess, of the natatorium, a little bit south. That, am I correct in saying, that is the area that If IUPUI or or IU-Indy, I guess, were to build a new on-site arena, it would be there. But does this change from IUPUI to the two different schools now impact or affect in any way the way that they will proceed with athletic venues?
2: No. Again, the only change is that is is the moniker. Uh, And the vast majority of students already there uh, will get an an IU in, an Indiana University degree. I mean, there's never been an IUPUI degree to get an IU or Purdue degree. There are some majors that do have overlap. Um, it, it's an oversimplification to say this, but really, you know, you're not going to be recruiting engineering majors uh, to play a sport at, at what will be IU Indianapolis anymore. Um, as of the last kind of uh, on the athletic advisory board at IUPUI, or the last meeting that we had in April, I think the number of students they hadn't figured out, or student athletes they hadn't figured out exactly what the degree path is going to be, that at the end of next year I think would be three uh, at this point. Um, and so, no. And and uh, the funding mechanism for a new building um, would be is, is basically already been done by the legislature. Uh, there is basically simply a wait to have kind of another you know, client that would be using that building on a regular basis, about a 5,000 seat arena slash convocation center uh, that IUPUI or IU Indianapolis basketball uh, would be using and playing on campus. Uh, And so even though this has been talked about for the last seemingly 25 to 30 years, this is as close as it has ever been. Uh, since, Since Kevin is still in training camp mode, this would be they're working on on uh, on first and goal. or working on red zone. They can see the end zone right in front of them. But in terms of of location of it, Jake, I think I can only respond like the swimming coach from that awful promo <laughs> and say, "You got it." That's
1: now, with exactly the location, will they, they be the Indiana University Indianapolis Jaguars? They're going to be the IU Indy Jaguars. Yes, I don't think there is a I don't
2: think there is a nickname change that would kind of replicate. Uh, what was the IUPUI Metro is going to be IUPUI Jaguars as they made the jump to Division One back in ninety
4: eight. Rake, high school football two weeks from tonight.
2: It is there's there are a lot of a lot of schools will have like you know a, a scrimmage or a, you know a, a soap and towel game whatever the case may be uh, for fans to come watch tonight. Then you'll you know kind of scrimmage other teams next Friday night. And then you are playing football for real, for real, two weeks from now.
4: You know anything about Anthony Richardson's little brother and his athletic prowess? I, I asked that because I see him at camp every day with a Shamrock T-shirt on. I assume that, or not every day, but certainly wears it. Um, I assume that means he's Westfield bat. I think he's going to be a freshman. I could be wrong on that. But for a moment there, I thought, boy, if he went to Zionsville, his sophomore year, he'd be throwing to Eugene Hilton, right, as a senior.
2: Absolutely. Now, I, I have not heard anything about it, but if he's got, you know, half of his brother's athletic traits, he could be a really good high school football player. Uh, but uh, but if if he's rocking a shamrock, I think it's safe to say he's playing for Jake Gilbert at some point in time.
4: Uh, favorite for Mr. Football Cathedral QB Danny O'Neill.
2: I think I think it goes down to the Cathedral quarterback. It goes to the Center Grove quarterback. There's other There's other great players that are in this class. But when you have a chance either to be a quarterback that leads a team to a uh you know fourth straight state championship or you have been a now three-year starting quarterback and you're a nationally talked about recruit the way danny o'neill is it would take a lot to kind of knock out of those two guys off of that pedestal
4: greg Rakestraw with us here payless liquors hotline rake your agenda this weekend before it's a little nfl centric coming up the next few weekends
2: I get a, a my last Friday night off, and again, I, I love my job, so I'm not complaining about this. But it is my last Friday night off until probably the one before Christmas. Now, I don't have a game next Friday night, but I'm in travel mode, getting to Buffalo, so I'm not sure I can consider that one a Friday night off. So get to, get to relax a little bit this weekend, Indy 11 soccer tomorrow night, and then back to training camp on Sunday afternoon
4: i love it good for you rake uh looking forward to seeing you out there on sunday afternoon and next week as well before off to buffalo thanks rake you got it great (laughs) rake rake's got a great wit to
1: him they also had by the way uh, another commercial for the national sports festival that said that uh if you bought tickets you could get like a free what what did it say like you could buy tickets, and then you also could enter a contest for one hundred dollars from Merchants Bank. Really? Yeah. Now Merchants
4: 100 Bank, in 1982, is that, Man, is that the uh, is that the group that's uh, doing the NILs with IU? Did you see that they did Trace Jackson and Race, Day, Race Thompson, or is that a uh, different Merchants? I think Merchants is
1: gone now. Merchants became P and C, right? Merchants Capital,
4: maybe. I, think, all they did, I, uh, I used to
1: know. I used to have this weird skill where I knew like what banks became what.
4: Trey Galloway and Malik Renew earlier this week. I, I mean,
1: I, Malik Renew. maybe that's a smart investment because maybe his
4: stock goes up this year. Someone said Trey of Galloway him, right? is um, shooting the basketball tremendously this summer.
1: Trey Galloway is a good player for them. You know what they're sure. saying
4: to Trey Galloway? You <laughs> that's to be don fisher coming up that's right this year uh we had I had a text here jake from uh actually i don't know who exactly it was from but uh, i was a 16 year old ball boy for the soccer matches at the national sports festival got a squeegee off the field after heavy rains they gave me an adidas tango soccer ball when the event ended cool memories here in the commercial
1: somebody else mentioned to me that they got one i don't know if you guys if, the, if the, these were around when you were kids there was a brief period it's really weird in the mid to late 80s or the early to mid 80s i mean there were two things that were like in vogue for kids that that was a phase that did not last the first one was these kind of like nylon they were like frisbees but they were cloth do you know what i'm talking about yeah they were like almost like a full like you could full
4: frisbees. Yeah,
0: yeah. They are still handing those out today. We were we're at the Indiana
4: State the, the, Fair The outer yesterday. ring of them
0: has
1: like a weight on it. And the middle yeah. is like a nylon. Uh huh. Okay. So that was one thing that they gave out for the National Sports Festival. The other that was in vogue. I'm going to guess this came into fashion in about 1982, and by 84 it was on its way out. Was uh, painter caps do you guys I, I, that never came back but that was the thing like you would buy either your favorite sport like you'd go to a Cubs game and they would sell painter's caps with yeah the like Cubs the tall the
0: tall front those kind of things, yeah. I mean, and they were like kind of like a so
1: paper like material, literally
4: like a painter hat
1: of a sports yes. team. Mm-hmm. And like, I think a lot like the national sports festival, well. like the, the eighty two sports festival. That or biking caps also that had like the
0: little tiny bill on them. My I feel dad, like
4: now you got the rope hat that's in. It's got a yeah, little yeah. rope down here. When
0: my grandpa died years ago, my my dad was going through his stuff and he found a. a Super Bowl 20 painter's hat of the Bears. So he That's has exactly
1: it. the time period. That's perfect, mm-hmm. yes, because 85. You don't want to sit behind so right in, in the game. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Sir, can you take that hat off, please? <laughs>
4: I can't see the fridge. But if
1: you're painting the garage, you have him come over, and he's, yeah. he's already
4: decked out, right? Uh, if you're a Reds fan, you didn't want to sit behind anybody at Wrigley Field. You don't want to be inside of Wrigley Field this four-game series. Mark, go ahead with the morning check down.
0: Okay, I will. The
2: morning check down. Omaha! Omaha! Oh, on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hammered right field. Having a base hit. Nick around third. He's coming in to score. That will stop at third. Bellinger, stay hot.
4: Okay. it's the most work Mark has done for the show in months. <laughs> these intros. I mean,
0: you're asking me to play audio from sound, so I I feel like it's my civic duty to do
4: so. have not seen Cubs fans celebrate like this since 2016. Some have said, honestly, they're celebrating more than they did in 2016. They take 3-4 of against the Reds, a historically horrific series for the Redlegs. Nationals now for the Reds. The Cubs have got the Braves. That is welcome if you're a Reds fan in more ways than one. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? You don't want to peak in early August. Well, where are you going to go? Cubs are peaking. That
1: is. Brad's still got their two best pitchers the out. Most absurd soundbite
4: ever. Like, Jim Mersey has some absurd <laughs> soundbites. Can you imagine saying that though? Like, what's the and most? I said ob- it
0: on opening day. Whoa. It was like the first <laughs> game of the season in the stadium. <laughs>
4: Right there, on the field. Well, where are you going to go? I mean, well, Yeah, let's go, to, go! 162 more of these! Newport Aquarium.
5: Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team?
0: I mean, guys didn't even sit down with their hot dog and beer yet, and that guy was ranting about that.
4: It, it, Major League <laughs> Baseball should have pulled together and just said, all right, can we vote? the ownership group i
1: mean out. the most absurd thing from jim Ursay is him forgetting the name of his wide receiver while anointing him as part of a dessert <laughs>
0: now,
4: the whole if Jonathan taylor
1: and <laughs> this i guy's- die
4: comment the other night i thought was a little did wild. we
0: have that we played that the other day right i can find it yeah that was that was odd I get what he was saying what Ursay was saying Doesn't
1: that sound, didn't it sound
0: callous though <laughs>
4: kind
1: of <laughs> no, was I saying, mean it, was, it, was it was dad who cares? Yeah, yeah, it, was a, yeah. it was an odd way of comparing a player's career to like I mean like you know tomorrow when I die I'm sure mrs Taylor
4: loved hearing that about her son
1: I'm sure the Ursay family loved hearing it about their dad I mean for crying out loud. do you have it mark let me find it me, uh, Colts
4: camp up. off today night practice tomorrow afternoon on Sunday and like I said with Ray week from tomorrow preseason opener in Buffalo
1: <laughs> oh, i thought we were getting ready to hear it i was getting no excited. i'm finding it i'll, I'll try okay. to find it. i'll dig it out real quick uh by the way diana tarasi now the leading scorer in women's professional history WNBA history last night 42 points And Phoenix's 20-point win over Atlanta, that puts her at 10,000 points in her remarkable professional career.
4: Fever got Connecticut tonight back at home. 7 o'clock tip. Team USA in the knockout round of the World Cup. That will be a 5 a.m. kick coming up on Sunday morning against Sweden. We're two to
1: one saying, Kevin, that going into the knockout round changes the TV coverage a little bit because they were kind of anticipating. they were expecting
4: them to win the group and not get second in the group, so they are not going to be in some very friendly tv windows granted with how they played in the group they might just be happy if they advance to the elite eight and on so the usa sweden coming up sunday morning uh jake nashville you said it's a noon eastern start on sunday for indycar that
1: is correct noon coverage beginning on sunday indycar in nashville and then of course the week after that it is indycar and xfinity and nascar all at the indianapolis motor speedway i should have mentioned this earlier but tonight more like this afternoon from 4 until 6 o'clock today, I will be at the Advanced Auto Parts on Crawfordsville Road in Speedway. 4 to 6 o'clock today, Racing Simulator will be there. You do it, you do a couple laps, free tickets for next weekend for the Saturday events at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway while supplies last. So we'd love to see everybody from 4 until 6 today at Advance Auto Parts.
4: So next weekend we go IndyCar Saturday along with the Xfinity race on Saturday Correct. and then the... Cup race is then Sunday. Everything's on the road course? Correct.
1: Correct on all all counts there. So tickets for Saturday, up for grabs today. Come out from 4 until 6, and your Saturday is taken care of next weekend.
4: Continue some Colts conversation on the other side. Again, Nate Atkins coming up at the top of the hour. And Tyrese Halliburton, busy man this summer, obviously signing contract extension. Uh, He starts things with Team USA. We'll chat about that coming up. Kevin Acquire here on a Friday.
1: Right off that promo, Mark, right on time, right?
4: Yep. Would you like to go to the Philippines, any desire?
1: You know, I don't know if you know this, but um, after the performance this weekend, supposedly the Reds are moving to the Philippines. Did you know that?
0: So if somebody asked them... Well, where are you going to go? They would say the Philippines. Yeah, because they're going to become the Manila Folders.
4: Okay. How about... I don't know if that was one of your better ones. <laughs> I,
1: I don't think that's a debate. Been wait, I've been waiting on that for... Uh, I think the Philippines actually, if you're if if you not afraid of rain and humidity at times, it's probably beautiful.
4: Winter there? Right now? Mm, are they in the Southern Hemisphere? I feel like they are, right? I mean, have you seen the shots of the U.S. or I guess the Women's World Cup? Like, it, it's... Cool cool. there, I should say. Like 50 degree weather with Australia and New Zealand. I would think, I mean, Philippines obviously north of there, but I would think it would fall in the Southern Hemisphere. I don't know, I could be wrong. Um, But that is where the World Cup is for Team USA, and that is where Tyrese Halliburton is off to here. In a couple of weeks, right now, a training camp for them in Vegas. I think they're going to have a few exhibition games in Spain, and then Halliburton and company will head to the Philippines for that. Um Players of note on the Team USA roster. Paulo Boncaro, Mikael Bridges, Brandon Ingram.
1: I wonder if our friend Martin Brundle is going to be there. I don't think so.
4: Interview him. Wondering why Patrick Mahomes is playing basketball. (laughs) Jalen Brunson. Jaron Jackson Jr., the indie product. Uh, Cam Johnson (laughs) as well.
1: Technically the Northern Hemisphere for the
4: Philippines. Yeah. Steve Kerr, Eric Spolstra, Ty Lue, Mark Few. That is your Team USA coaching staff. Uh, I saw Rick Carlisle, Carlisle, easy for me to say. Uh, Rick Carlisle was in Vegas yesterday taking in Team USA practice. And I just think these type, I I think a lot of guys, honestly, I think LeBron would mention this, just kind of a big part of the early point of his career was his Team USA experiences. I know this is not an Olympic cycle, but obviously if Halliburton plays well, I don't think point guards necessarily are of abundance from a u.s standpoint so who knows he could have an opportunity to try and push for an olympic spot coming up in 2024 and just growth of his own game and then as i mentioned a couple weeks ago try to recruit some guys right
1: well here's the thing you just read my mind there give me that list again
4: yeah, just a few I wrote down. I mean there's more than this. Austin Reeves, Walker Kessler, but Paula Boncaro, Mikhail Bridges, Brandon Ingram. Okay, Paula Boncaro. Jaron Jackson Jr. Pablo is gonna be playing in
1: Orlando. They're probably not gonna be very good. You know, do they strike up a friendship? An on floor chemistry?
4: Yeah, the thing Halibut I kind of ruled out of Boncaro is he's still, I mean, he's in year two with the Magic. I mean, the Magic uh, have his rights for years. You know, guys like Bridges that have already moved. You know, Cam Johnson that's already moved. Um, you know, Ingram and Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously have been in the league for some time. Uh, those are names that I, I don't know, I felt like kind of fell a little bit more in the realistic category of we'll see what happens.
1: I mean, that. By the way, I'm I'm trying to find here on the uh, latitude line where the Philippines ranks, and, and like uh, from somewhere across the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was surprised it's in the northern hemisphere. To be honest with you, yeah,
4: I, I just figured it would be I don't know where the where the old line is, but <laughs> and also that for like <laughs> I mean, a World the equator, Cup place. By the
1: way, Kevin, that old line is known well, as the equator, I, I, <laughs> like meant, Ecuador, like I, you know what I mean. I mean where it falls.
4: So like, are all the games in Manila? I don't know. That's Didn't the
1: Pacers play in the Philippines a few years ago? I thought it was India. Well, I know they've done that too, but I think they went to the Philippines as well. I mean, that's a base. That's an area where the NBA, the NBA probably more than any other league, of the three major sports, would you agree that the NBA is the one that has done the best job of branching out? I mean, the sport of basketball is more international in general.
4: Uh, without question. But, I mean, it helps when your last three MVPs are all international.
1: Yeah, no question. And, you know, I mean... And when you had a number one overall pick that comes from the most populated country in the world, that, that also helps in that regard.
4: Yeah, but when you start like looking at the Olympics next year in Paris, and you start thinking about what a Canadian team could look like, what a French team could look like, what a Serbian team could look like, other European countries fall into that belt. The Australians, I think, have had pretty good success on an international stage. You know, Argentina probably a little bit more in the Ginobili Scola era than anything, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a legit competition. I mean, yeah, I think the United States should still win, but I mean, you've got some star, star-studded star teams outside of the U.S. So I think it's an awesome opportunity for Halliburton. Um, obviously, it's a lot of basketball that will bleed into training camp for the Pacers. Uh, so you wonder if that will impact, you know, maybe just how much he practices during training camp, things like that, and obviously how much he plays for Team USA. You know, is Jalen Brunson your point guard or is Halliburton your starting point guard?
1: Pulling, by the way, a Luis Scola reference was impressive.
4: I ran into Scola one time after a Pacer game at Tin Roof. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it cool? Yeah, nice, a uh, little bit hard to hear the accent over the music. Okay. Or to make out maybe the accent over the <laughs> Fair music. enough. I love Scola when he was here.
1: By the way, the Philippines, it, it appears, this can't be right, same uh, line of latitude as Massachusetts.
4: Is that right? Gosh, that just sounds wild to me. I, I know. I, that that can't be right. But, you know. So it's well north of Indonesia then? I, I Well, it's hard to, to like, know because people. Pictured in a
1: map. Now that we know the Earth is flat, it's hard to figure out, you know what I mean? Like how a, things translate to Earth.
4: <laughs> reference there?
1: You know, I'm just saying. But nonetheless, Halliburton, you know, Bruce Weber, if you think about Kevin, when we had Bruce Weber on to talk about Tyrese Halliburton. And that was a great find by you of reading a, a kind of a throwaway comment from Bruce Weber a few years ago about Halliburton being a key part of an international team that didn't get a lot of fanfare or hubbub. And when we had Bruce Weber, who coached that team on, what did he talk about? He talked about how that was such a critical part of, he thought, the development of Tyrese Halliburton as a player. And...
4: And that was a loaded team USA now looking back on it from a Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley. I mean, yeah. we're talking lo- you know, top five picks galore on that U 19 team. And yeah, I mean Weber said to us Hal Burton was I believe he said the phrase, most important player, right?
1: I just hope. I mean, as of right now, he did say that. Um as of right now. Halliburton is, things are so perfect that you just hope it stays that way, right?
4: Gosh, that sounds like a pessimistic Pacer I, I, fan. I know. But, I mean, they've got him locked in to the point
1: where, where's he going to go? The, the fun- Where's he going to go? <laughs> where are you going <laughs> to go? Where, where, where,
4: uh, um, let's get Herb Simon It's crazy to think that well, already... Where are you going
1: to go? You know, he's making $52 million a year, and already that is starting to feel like, boy, he could have gotten more. I mean, Jalen Brown, we haven't even talked about this... With Jason Tatum still yet to be locked in, Jalen Brown getting sixty million a year. Sixty million a year from the Celtics. And I didn't realize Jalen Brown, like apparently had been accepted that, you know, he went to Cal. But apparently Jalen Brown of the Celtics is like a savant level genius. Did you know that? No, I did not. Like it like I mean Cal's a hard. You know, I guess pretty, he'd, pretty he'd been accepted school, to like right? Harvard and like all kinds of stuff. Um, Jonathan Taylor accepted
4: Harvard, right? Really? Pretty sure. I did find it odd on the Taylor front yesterday. I'm watching Shane Steichen's son rocking the Taylor jersey. Is Shane gonna have to have a conversation with his son <laughs> at some point?
1: Kids are funny though, man. Right? Like when you in racing, you know, a lot of times. A, a, a driver will have like his children there or his kids there and they're asked so they're like so who's your favorite driver and they say somebody other than oh yeah dad. sure yeah
4: yeah yeah 100 percent
1: no fernando alonso okay
4: yeah we had i forget who it was i think it was maybe ben i'm trying to think you know we've and by the way if you guys come out to colt's practice at grand park we're located in kind of the northwest portion of the facility right next to the practice field and we've got a 107.5 fan sign out on the fence so you can catch us there. But Ben uh was with his kids a couple days ago and you know, walked over during the break and was chatting with him and he's like, Boy, I found it really difficult to try to explain to the kids what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. I mean it's yeah. not the easiest thing to explain to and I mean Jake you you and I obviously are both out there. Easiest you way to say it is you say tons of Taylor jerseys with these kids. Here's tons the of Taylor jerseys. What you
1: say is you go, Well, Johnny, so when you're at recess, you know how there's like a sandbox and there's only so many shovels and there's always one kid that's unhappy because he doesn't get the shovel enough? That's Jonathan Jonathan Taylor.
4: But the whale gets the shovel and not Jonathan yeah, Taylor, right. is that right? Although Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor Jonathan
1: Taylor, when he has the shovel, builds the best castle of any of the kids in the sandbox. He just doesn't get as much. By the way, somebody else said the Philippines is split by the equator. So I guess the thing about latitude in Massachusetts is not applicable. So you might have been right after all, Kevin.
4: I think that part of the country, I might know, uh, that part of the world, I should say, I know the least amount geography-wise. I would agree with that. Like, if that. you handed me, like, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia, what else is over there, and you're like, hey, put, put these into place, or yeah. you know, put these in the right spots, I'd be like,
1: oh. I know that when I was a kid, every baseball mitt you had on the inside said, made in Taiwan. Um, speaking of geography and it becoming very convoluted, we haven't discussed this much, but the latest on college football realignment and the conference realignment, I mean, there's some... It sounds now, and this seems to be this like revolving hopper, like Stanford's in, Stanford's out. It's like musical chairs. But as of right now, Kevin, the, the latest I've heard, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that the Big Ten has had serious negotiations with Oregon and Washington. That almost seems like a fait accompli at this point. This changes daily. But that Oregon and Washington would come in. And then now I'm, I'm hearing Stanford.
4: What is? Can we stop there? What does Oregon and Washington provide?
1: Okay. It's a great question. Oregon provides the Nike money. Oregon provides the branding and the Nike money, but most of these schools, in order to come in have to be partnered with another kind of for like school travel mate purposes for scheduling. So Oregon would come presumably with Washington because Oregon state doesn't bring anything to the table per se. This is, these are all about football. Washington has a somewhat of a football footprint in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, there's so that
4: uh, many people watch Oregon football. Cause I, I look at it more of TV rights and less about like Nike apparel. Like I, I'm basically, I view it as okay. When you rewrite your TV contract, you obviously want the member schools of your conference to have an increase in the piece of the pie that they're getting. Washington and Oregon, or hell, even Stanford and Cal. I'm like, like I get the USC-UCLA a little bit more, certainly. No, I get it. I, I think,
1: okay, here's the other thing it does. Like
4: Minnesota-Washington, is that like all of a sudden a here's, marquee game? I, I don't,
1: here's the other thing it does. Well, it's as marquee a game as Minnesota-Iowa, right? Yeah,
4: but I mean, don't like the, the history and the brands have a little bit more that resonates than... Here's the thing, Kevin. I would assume this. I think the Big
1: Ten. It was all about football for the Big Ten. For all these conference realignments, it's all about football. It's why like Kansas is in a rock and a hard place, and it's why Indiana should be glad that it's a an already existing Big Ten school. But when. They went out and decided for football standpoint and and for market standpoint to get UCLA and USC. It was actually USC they went after for football and for the brand of football. And USC said, we've got to have another school to go with us. So that's how USC ironically kind of recruited UCLA. My assumption is that part of that recruiting process, they were told, well, you better come in now because we're going to dissolve the Pac-12 because we're going to get... And and my guess is that UCLA and USC said, we will do this, but we don't want to be the only ones. And they said, don't worry, we will get you two more. And it was either going to be Arizona and Arizona State because apparently those two have to be linked, or any combination thereof of Stanford and Cal or Oregon and Washington. I think Washington is kind of partnered with Oregon because of the geographic connection to it and because in terms of national cachet washington football probably has from a football standpoint i mean they've been in the college football playoff and they've had they have a right, huge following are, are
4: people really tuning in to like 10:30 eastern kicks like how many west coast teams
1: on the west coast yes in other words, yeah, I, I mean, how many people in I'm New saying, York City, Wouldn't
4: you want, like, a Midwest? I mean, wouldn't you want, obviously, a Notre Dame or a Clemson or a North Carolina and a Duke? Like, wouldn't you want those brands?
1: Unless you are trying to diversify your television viewing audience. So, in other words, sure, Notre Dame and Michigan, uh, excuse me, Notre Dame and. Florida State or Clemson would get you better numbers in television viewership at 7.30 or at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Except for that at 7.30 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday yeah, that makes sense. you already have Ohio State playing and Michigan playing and whatever else. Right. So you're like, hey we, we could now saturate the Pacific, time co- the Pacific time zone as well with television viewership and it doesn't hurt that Oregon has Phil Knight's money I mean, Oregon is just blowing money everywhere and I do think that for 10-year-old kids, Oregon still has cachet because they've got cool helmets and color schemes and marketing and all of that junk, right? But the the reality is it, I think what is happening is this, and I think Derek Schultz is the one that pointed this out where I first saw it, and it made a lot of sense. There's now talk that Florida and Clemson—there was a report that Florida and Clemson were being pursued by the Big Ten. I don't think that's accurate. But I think Florida and Clemson are going to look hard at the SEC and jump from the ACC to the SEC. If Florida and Clemson but jump to the issue. ACC and Virginia gets flirted with by the Big Ten as well, then the, the Florida ACC, State, Florida State, and Clemson, Florida
4: State. I'm sorry, Florida State. But and they've got this huge grant of rights issue, right? Yeah, there's a lot of there are. Basically, this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, TV contract under, what, 2035, something yeah, like that, they, the, that they have to break out of?
1: Correct. Which but, is not easy? All things can be solved with money, I would assume, right? But I think the, literally this almost looks like, and I hate to use a war analogy, that's such a dangerous thing to do in sports. So we'll use the, the board game risk. It's like when you play the board game risk, at times you... You go in and you take little areas of the world that are seemingly innocuous, but you're doing it because it's dissolving somewhere else. And I think that Notre Dame is waiting to see, and I think the SEC in particular, or the Big Ten. May try to pluck a few ACC pieces to dissolve the ACC to further cement Notre Dame's desire to break out of the alignment with the ACC and get Notre Dame back as the wild card that is then interested in the Big Ten or even, somebody mentioned to me, the SEC. I can't see that. But I think, in the end, ultimately, I think Notre Dame is going to end up in the Big Ten. I just think it's on the back burner and it's not in the forefront of Oregon, Washington, and then stanford and probably cal
4: you know it's interesting to me like teams like washington oregon which have had obviously recent football success to your point jake they've made playoff appearances and yet you go to the big 10 the difficulty that 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 comes with being in that conference is going to be through the roof and totally. trying to I, win I, at a consistent level no disagreement no one in your fan base or i guess i should say no one but 95 percent of your fan base is doesn't care about how much money you're making off a TV contract. Jake, when you get together with your buddies and you debate Clemson and Notre Dame, what are you debating? You're debating how much your your program has won lately. So if you're Oregon and Washington, again, you don't sit at a bar and say, look how much grant of rights Clemson's getting with this TV contract, man. That's so much more than you're getting, your your school is getting, insert school here. Let's say like Cincinnati football, what, what Cincinnati football is getting. But the Cincinnati football fans going to counter and say, we are winning. Right. I, you, you'd rather be a Cincinnati football fan than be an IU football fan. Look at how much Cincinnati football's won, but over the last 5 to 10 years Kevin, versus IU football, whereas IU, obviously, they're getting a huge piece of a financial pie by being in the Big Ten. Okay, here's no one cares about that, though. Here's the
1: thing. The ACC, somebody just said me this, an ACC school would have to pay $100 million to leave the conference. The current grant of rights goes until 2036, while true Big Ten and SEC teams can redo their media deals after the ACC can. What I'm saying is this. What if you went to, and and I know this sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, the Big Ten right now is what fourteen schools with with about to be sixteen, right? A hundred million dollars, a ton of money. What if the Big Ten went to those sixteen schools and said, "Listen, next year we're actually going to take eight million dollars out of your TV check." Well, you're not, you can't take eight million. That's my right money as a Big Ten school. We understand. We're going to do that. Because we are going to pay off Florida State and Clemson to leave the ACC. And in doing so, that is going to cement that Notre Dame is going to be a Big Ten school. And thus, it is our estimation, the TV contract will go up by $150 million in two years. So, consider it a front loan that, we will, that will then pay off an even bigger monetary fashion. Yeah. And they do that to get Clemson and Florida State to defect, and then thus... And then Notre Dame is, and Notre Dame can pay its own. Would
4: there be Big Ten hesitancy? And and I don't say this at all to try and rip Clemson. I guess you didn't go there, so I probably shouldn't even care. But like academically, has no, that been a big thing with fair, the Big Ten? The fair AAU question. Is, and I don't. I think Clemson is whatever it is. It, uh,
1: yeah, whatever the, the it's research. An AAU? It's yeah, the research grouping of a university. Um, I think Clemson is regarded as a pretty good school. I don't know that. Mm-hmm.
4: Plus, I think there's a regional element. I think
1: Clemson is like a Purdue.
4: Academically, I think there's a regional element to the Clemson and the Florida States of the world that if you all of a sudden move to the Big Ten, does your recruiting footprint change? That would hurt. I mean, I mentioned it yesterday. What, what do we have? Fifteen of the last 16 national champions have been in a southeast radius?
1: Kevin, I truly believe this. I think that these conferences are literally looking at it as ultimately there are going to be two super conferences.
4: Yeah. The race to like a 20-team conference.
1: Correct. And so I think right now all aspects are in play because every conference is simply wanting to make sure that they are not the one that is dissolved and that they actually have a dance partner. And right now it looks like that's going to be the Big Ten. That's a hybrid of some Pac-12 schools and some ACC schools. And then the SEC with some Big 12 schools as well ultimately merging and then the rest of them the oregon states and the virginia techs of the world are going to be the ones left without a dance partner
4: that acc tv contract is ridiculous yes Yes. I mean, that is wild. Well,
1: the Pac-12 now, their their new TV contract is is Apple TV, which I understand. I mean, that's the wave of the future. I get it. But it does not cement you right now the amount of money is terrestrial television.
4: We are way over. On the other side, Nate Atkins Andy Andy Star. He is, it sounds like a believer in Anthony Richardson as the definite favorite to start week one. We'll chat with Nate about that coming up next.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: Our next guest from the Indianapolis Star in the last two weeks... Um, Chris Ballard has mentioned to him, oh, it looks like you've been working out. And then earlier this week, he went on the Dan Patrick show. So I would assume this is going to rank very low on the list of accomplishments for Nate Atkins here in the last week. Nate, it's been a hell of a run for you here as of late. Congrats.
3: Yeah, I guess you could say that. I, I just thought that, uh, we'd be easing into camp and just obsessing over Anthony Richardson and instead, it's been a weird mix of drama and attention uh, that I don't know if I love, but uh, <laughs> here we are.
4: I thought I thought you were speechless there for, for a second. I uh, appreciate the time here on this Friday morning again, it's an off day for the Colts. Uh, Nate, I threw this question at Greg Rakestraw an hour ago. I'll toss it your way as well. Better chance to start week one for the Colts, Anthony Richardson or Jonathan Taylor?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Uh at this point, I think I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson. Uh, you know, I honestly, I, I really believe he's going to start week one, and the only thing that's going to throw that off is if an injury gets in the way, either obviously if he's injured that week, or I even think if he if he were to miss like, you know, five practices in camp or something like that, where it just sets him back and it it just doesn't feel like it's time to rush it. But you, you've been out there and you see the progression that they're taking right now, where Three straight days, he's been the first one out there taking the first team reps. Uh, the, the last two days, it just has ramped up even more from that. And that just has always felt like the timeline they wanted to live on. When, you know, when they drafted him and Shane Sykin said you know, he thinks you learn by playing, that's what he went through with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jim Merce has made it pretty clear that he thinks he should play early on and go through those growing pains. And it just seems like that's, especially with the way that they've built this team where – you know, it's not a year that they're really trying to like go for it. I wouldn't say you know they, they're not uh, they're not doing the things they did last year where they went out and signed Stephon Gilmore. They lose a cornerback like Isaiah Rogers, senior, in, in he's a starting outside corner, and they haven't gone out and replaced him. It's very much an evaluative year for them. So if that's going to be your mindset, you should be evaluating that quarterback that you drafted number four overall and evaluating how. You know, he fits as a leader and how guys fit around him and what their ceilings are. And and I think the only reason that you would hold back from that is if you just felt like putting him out there week one is going to set him back, either in confidence or health or something like that. It doesn't seem like confidence is a worry for them. So to me, it just comes down to if he's healthy. uh, And obviously, I think they're going to manage all the steps from now to then to try and ensure that he is and so you know i still would say jonathan taylor's probably going to play week one too but that situation is just so kind of weird and hard to entirely get to the bottom of that that i'd rather uh, side with anthony at this point so that leads to the way i asked it earlier who do you
1: believe would be more likely to be a starter for the colts in week five gardner Minshew or jonathan taylor
3: Uh, still going to go job and Taylor there because I think Anthony's going to take the job and, and run with it. And I think at some point Jonathan Taylor is going to come back into the fold again. I still think that'll likely happen week one, but you know, at least by week five, you know, even if they go, even if this were to go to the level where they did put him on that non-football injury list, which they, you know, they leaked out there through ESPN and Fox 59, which I don't think sounds likely at this point. But even if they went that route, you know, that, that list keeps you out for four games. And then you have to come back by the sixth game to count that year as a contract year, or it, it just kind of wastes this year and makes next year a contract year. So I don't, I don't see it going to that point, but uh, so, so I'll go with that.
4: Again, Nate Atkins is with us alongside Joel a. Erickson. They do a tremendous job at the Star in covering the Colts. Nate, putting the Taylor like contract drama aside, you know, you obviously have mentioned here in the last couple of minutes, you know, you you think that he will play week one. I, I'm curious, like, when is the date that he just needs to start practicing to be ready for week one? Like, I mean, we're now talking about a guy that missed the final three games of last season. It is now August 4th. I mean, it's approaching, I, I would think I probably have to double check my math, but we're like approaching ten months. Since he has last done maybe nine months that he has last done football type activities in a practice and or game setting, I mean you know coming up on Sunday, what are you a little bit over a month away from the start of the regular season? When in the month of August is it like a very important date to you for Jonathan Taylor simply to be practicing for a guy that I think at many moments last season he had some internal conflict with himself on if he should play in a game.
3: Yeah, that's kind of that conflict has kind of carried throughout this entire uh, off season and obviously into training camp. It, it just will not go away. Ever since he hurt that high ankle sprain or had the first high ankle sprain in week four against the Titans, it's it's kind of back and forth, and the two sides have kind of lost trust in each other and at least the the agreement that they had on where he's at. So you would think that if you know the plan for both of them at some point is you know this is just the situation he's got to find a way to make it work you'd think that you'd think that two weeks before uh the first day first game would be kind of a reasonable timeline i do think at some point this is going to have to come to a head because clearly they don't they don't fully agree on where he's at uh with the ankle or where he's at just in his health status with with some of the stuff they're going back and forth on with with the back issue and i do know that they put Jonathan Taylor on the, the physically unable to perform was specifically with the ankle and the ankle related to last season. It's not a new ankle injury to them. It's the one he suffered last season and then got surgery on at the end of January. And that surgery he got is an arthroscopic surgery that has a recovery timetable of two to four weeks. Same one E. J. Speed had and he came back late in the spring. And there's more going on with Jonathan's ankle from what I can gather. It's not, it's just not quite as simple as that. But at some point, when you're six months out of that surgery and there's not been a new, there's no new football injury from any of the team settings they've had, um, there is that, you know, the questions about the back and whether that was something from the non football level. But, you know, at some point, you know, it, it, it's just going to be hard for them to, for, for either side to suggest that. He could just stay out for, for this long to where you get to the end of August and now you're seven months out of a surgery that was supposed to have a two- to four-week recovery timetable. Obviously, the contract's looming out there. and They have to they have to get that part figured out and whether this just becomes a, a true holdout. But I, I do think that at some point he's just going to come back out there and it will be probably a little bit awkward, but, but that's just going to be the reality.
1: Nate, I want to focus on this because we've talked so much about you know, kind of the doom and gloom of the Taylor situation or just the drama of all of it, um, that maybe it's unfair that we have bypassed this topic. Tell me a player or players that you have been surprised going into the camp that you there wasn't a lot of talk about or you didn't anticipate and you thought to yourself, you know what, this is a player that Shane Steichen, or Chris Ballard or position coach whatever it might be has now repeatedly talked up or complimented the way that they have been making plays in camp that I did not anticipate going into it
3: and kudos to that guy that player would be who I think Daryl Baker Jr. is probably the player that comes to mind first he's a cornerback undrafted player just uh, believe he's in his second season now he's a guy that you go you take this back to like the start of the offseason program I didn't even think he would factor in at all this year you know they draft three other cornerbacks this year they got Isaiah Rogers and then obviously they don't have him anymore and it felt like they're you know it's, it felt like they're playing guys out there like Daryl Baker right now he's getting some first team reps you know because that's just the situation they're in but he's he's just consistently making plays he had an interception yesterday where he sort of sort of baited Anthony Richardson and, and cut off jumped a route that's uh, that was to Alec Pierce and he's He's just made plays like that kind of consistently. And at the very least, seems like he's going to factor himself uh, into the rotation there. So I'd go with him on the defensive side of the ball and then offensive side of the ball. I'd go with Evan Holt, who's their six-round pick, running back out of Northwestern. So I, it's kind of similar situation. The, the, the issues and injuries around him at his position have put him in this spot. But also he has looked the part. And you have a mix of kind of the skills that they're coveting Right now, with Zach Moss out, his third-down ability, uh, pass protection, he's a little bit better at that than than you would have expected for a six-round pick. And he just seems, you know, he just seems to really be picking it up well. He he gave a scouting report of Jonathan Taylor just from film study. That's that's one of the best I've ever heard the other day. It shows you how much he's just kind of learning and absorbing and taking it that way. And so he makes that guy into an offense that Shane Steichen has that's set up to build success for the running backs, so long as they can execute assignments and show a little bit of burst and wiggle and I can see him being you know more than I thought he was going to be heading into this year which I thought he was initially just going to battle with Deion Jackson to make the roster now he he kind of seems like a roster lock and who knows he could be a guy at this point who who has a chance to start week one
4: again Nate Atkins is with us here from the Indianapolis Stars and off day For the Colts, night practice coming up tomorrow, and afternoon practice on Sunday. Nate, obviously we're about to get into preseason schedule for the Colts here, each of the next two Saturdays, starting a week from Saturday, and then that final preseason game in Philly on a Thursday night. Just my hunch, I I just feel like they're going to play Anthony Richardson a good amount in the preseason, even if they view him as the week one starter. You got any early gauge to how much we'll see Richardson – in preseason games?
3: Yeah, I think that's a fair estimation because what they're looking at right now is that obviously they're trying to get him ready. They're trying to get him acclimated to everything and and throw some other challenges at him. They're also trying, though, to build chemistry with the receivers. And you think about that's kind of one thing that has sort of lagged in this process is those receivers were out for a lot of the spring. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. really didn't do much. Josh Downs had an injury. Alex Pierce missed a little bit of time. And then, of course, Anthony missed the practice the other day. Uh, I think Michael Pittman was a little slow to start this camp. So those are the things that are jumping out in camp right now As we see the flashes from Anthony and in, in moments for these receivers, but they don't look like they're on the, the type of chemistry page to, to really take this to a consistent level. So that's why I think those – reps in preseason joint practices are going to do for them there's a balance to it as far as exposing Anthony to the risk which is why I think they're going to probably design it more to work on that drop back passing the stuff that uh that gets the ball out of his hands and and really just kind of works on some of that but again it's it's same thing they keep talking about how he's got to learn through experience learn through playing that's a preseason is a great time to do that because it's sort of like there, it is experimental and it is, you know, a little controlled in that way. So I think he's going to play a good amount in those games. Uh, the, the one wrinkle, though, would be like if the, the joy of practices leading up to that. If just depending on the pace and intensity of those, does that play into how much they play them in the game? Uh, I think there's a possibility for that. But, you know, in, in that sense, though, that it's almost like the joy of practice takes the place of the preseason game. So either way, I think he's going to get a lot of work. Nate,
1: aside from the obvious, which the first obvious would be the time of practice in which they are doing it, uh, going back to a year ago to now, tell me how Shane Steichen's camp structure, pacing, intensity, etc. is different than what we've seen before.
3: The practices definitely seem quicker. And it's interesting, though, because last year I remember you talking at this time about how fast paced those practices were. That was Matt Ryan at that time and just the number of plays and the volume of work he wanted to roll through. This was a little different where it feels like they're not, they're not quite like, you know, they're not rushing through quite as many plays. It's the same pace, but it's not quite as long. And it's, um, I, it feels like a little bit more of like a, an installation learning process to it where they're they're not overloading the volume of plays they're going to go study they're doing it so that they can uh they can really zero in on the ones that they have and you know they said the other day that they're halfway through their install period felt like last year they just tried to move a lot quicker partly because matt ryan was in the building at the start of you know the preseason or the start of the, the off season program whereas obviously anthony had to get drafted and there was a process there so this one very much feels more like uh the the They they move these quick practices, these short practices, and then a lot of learning uh, kind of behind the scenes, and then each day rolling something new out. So uh, I don't know if it's changed a ton from last year in terms of the pace, but it does feel like there's a little – last year they almost felt like they had to to get into, like, the advanced levels of the passing game really quickly because they were also a team that really at that time thought that that they were going to have a chance to compete for something important. Obviously, that didn't work out, but the attitude last year was very much like, we're on the doorstep here. Let's, let's try to advance this as fast as possible. This year is much more like, let's try and install things at the proper pace and not rush them because this whole year is going to be about evaluating and learning and growing. And we have 17 games to do that on top of uh, the work we're doing right now.
4: It's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, at the start of camp, Chris Ballard pointed to tight end and cornerback as the two position battles that really stood out to him. You brought up Daryl Baker Jr. earlier. Until guys like Darius Rush, the fifth-round pick, who did return to practice yesterday, and then Juju Brents, the second-round pick, until they start practicing at all and or consistently, I think it's hard to say that, you know, there's much of a cornerback competition. Maybe I, I would change my mind here in a couple weeks, but right now I think it's pretty settled for those top two and three spots. Tight end, though, I, I view that as wide open. How are you looking at those two position battles through the first week of camp?
3: Yeah, I think tight end is wide open because they just they just keep loading up on bodies and the the players that they have. It's just such a similar. It's just an interesting mix of younger players who don't have a lot of experience but have a different variation of skills. So you have like battles within the, within the group, you know, you've got like guys who are more of that move uh, F tight end mold um, guys like obviously Kyle Granson and Granson. And I think uh, Mallory is going to kind of fit more into that. And then you've got, you know, the blocking types, which is, you know, Mo Alley Cox and Farrell Brown. And, and then there's a, uh, you know, there's, a guy like Drew Ogletree to me is sort of like a hybrid between those two things. And it it gets to the point where at some point they have to decide how many tight ends they want to keep. And within that, you know, who fits those different roles. And I've been curious to see, I'm pretty sure Drew Ogletree is going to make this team. He's looking good coming back from uh, the injury. And and he's a guy I know Chris Ballard just absolutely loves. And so they have to decide kind of, is he further far enough along as a blocker to where maybe you don't, feel the need to keep as many of those types. Uh, that'll, that's what I'll be curious to see. of uh, Granton, I think, is going to have to battle with uh, kind of to keep his role, to keep his spot on this team. Will Mallory coming slow up the injury has helped him in that way, but there's still time to go. And the only one that I think is a true lock to not only make it, but, uh, but to really have a huge or, or pretty sizable role is Jelani Woods. Uh, just based on the fact that he's, he's the highest investment they have for a young player. And yeah, I just think he really fits uh, what you know, the athleticism he has. If, if this year's about bringing the upside up out of Anthony Richardson, why not play the tight end prospect who may be the most athletic at his position in history as well? So that, that's a position that's been very interesting to watch. And I think corner, like you said, it just has to play out a little bit more. I'll be interested to see once Darius Rush gets back, how close is he to doing the, some of the things that Daryl Baker is doing right now? Juju Brents. it's been unfortunate that he hasn't gotten out there at all yet because that was the one guy that at that position I would have just penciled in and said, you know, he's going to start from week one. I thought he was the only rookie who was a lock to start week one just based on the situation of the position he was in. So I still kind of think that's true if he can bounce back and, and you know get out there and, and stay healthy. But it's that other outside cornerback spot opposite him that's going to be interesting between Dallas Flowers, Darryl Baker Jr., Darius Rush. Those are probably the three that are going to battle it out. And i give the edge to Dallas Flowers still because I think that uh, they've just been high on him for a while here. Chris Ballard brought up how Stephon Gilmore was impressed by him last year. And they they, they have ways to track the athleticism from the kick return abilities that he has and just the confidence he plays with uh, seems like something you can be willing to put out there. Uh, but, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if someone else can can kind of rise up there, too. You know, Darius Rush is one guy
1: that, Nate, would you agree with us? He, he's one whose name I seem to hear the most in terms of the OTAs of them being really optimistic about what he can do this year.
3: Yeah, they liked him back in, in rookie minicamp, for sure. He's an interesting player because he's, Like a lot of guys who draft lately, he hasn't played the position that long. He got to South Carolina as a wide receiver that made the transition to corner, and he's played a decent amount there, but you could kind of tell he's just still a a very athletic player scratching the surface and was thrown in, you know, playing in the SEC. You know, South Carolina's got a, a good amount of talent, but certainly was up against it when he'd go against, you know, teams like Georgia. Uh, you know in Alabama and Tennessee and and things like that so he was a guy that they knew like needed reps just kind of a lot of the guys they drafted this class were these super athletic players who were kind of scratching the surface and they wanted to just give him a ton of playing time and see where they go with it that's where the injuries have been unfortunate for him as he kind of needs these reps and these competitive moments uh, to be out there right now but they're they're still high on what he can do and that's you know they they really wanted to start a youth movement with that position. Why they drafted three of them? Why even though Isaiah Rogers senior, when he you know went out for the year, they didn't really make any kind of corresponding move to that. They wanna they want to play these young corners, no, which tells you everything about how close they think they are this year. Because that's not normally a recipe to go out there and you know win a division title. But the focus is in the process of, of of this year playing out. If they can find a starter like a Darius Rush that they found in the fifth round at a premium position, that's the kind of building block they want to look forward to. And they, you know, you don't know until he's out there. But they they believe in his potential for sure.
4: Nate, enjoy a little bit of a hopefully quieter day off. Granted, that hasn't really been the case for the last ten days or so here of Colts camp. But hopefully, it is uh, for you and for everyone out there. And we will see you tomorrow night at Grand Park.
3: Absolutely, looking forward to a little bit of relaxation and hopefully a normal practice where we're watching football and not a bus tomorrow.
4: (laughs) Yeah, last Saturday night it was a bus. Hopefully not the same. Unless Jerome Bettis, I saw his kid visited Notre Dame on a recruiting visit. Uh, It's neither here nor there. Nate, thank you for the time.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
4: Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, we'll see if it changes, but right now, let's say the Colts are going to go play a football game tomorrow. Their nickel package, and I think most football fans have realized that as the NFL has evolved to more of a pass-happy league, that defenses tend to play in that nickel package, which means three cornerbacks on the field instead of two, that's the predominant personnel grouping for defenses. So you use that like 70-80% of the time in a game. If the Colts are going to go play tomorrow, they would be starting in that nickel package two undrafted cornerbacks from last year, Daryl Baker Jr. has never played a defensive snap in the NFL. He'd be one of them. Dallas Flowers would be the other, and he did not play his first defensive snap in the NFL until last December.
1: Can I ask you a clarifying question for the 30% out there? Sure. When you are not in the nickel package, and thus you are going back to the traditional set of two corners, you are utilizing that extra person defensively at where at what position
4: yeah extra linebacker yeah yeah so three linebackers in kind of the base the Colts play a four-man front and then um nickel take the linebacker linebacker for the Colts
1: that then gets on the field in that
4: situation is EJ Speed I think would be the guy there a little banged up DeForest Buckner by the way did leave practice yesterday due to uh, with a foot injury we'll see on the severity Uh oh it's the beer olympics of that (laughs) boiler bill was right I forgot about that day quite the take beer getting to his foot you think that's it he, he better show up in shape i think those are it for kind of the big time by the situations way situations right now
1: let me let me read uh boiler bill on twitter who is like a what, what can we officially list him as a troll is that a twitter troll
4: that's probably accurate right so if can you refresh our listeners uh memories from the buckner comment uh
1: he he was really upset with us because we did not interrogate DeForest Buckner about the beer Olympics that he did in the offseason with George Kittle, where they were like at a party and played beer pong or something, and that he thought it was our responsibility to condemn that
4: right? Uh-huh.
1: for the fact that he was being irresponsible. You thought we and, were
4: Mr. and Mrs. Buckner.
1: Correct. So uh, I sent yesterday that, I don't know, a couple of days ago, I sent out a montage of all of the local TV news openings of the 80s and said okay indy it was the mid to late 80s in the evening and you're turning on the tv knob on which channel do you stay basically asking people what channel the news did they watch as a kid boiler bill responded pretty crazy to think you were watching this on tv as a kid and now you're still unmarried while standing in a cool six four remarkable
0: <laughs> kind of gave you a compliment he said you're a cool six it, it, You're a w- cool, dude. I, and here's the thing. I it's mean, a good he, way to look at it. Right? Yeah,
1: I'm unmarried, but I'm basically married, right? Yeah. But like, I've done okay. Yeah. You know what
4: I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. like, I. You fire back a picture of Shannon at <laughs> at Boiler Bill. <laughs> I, I saw. I, should were, I fire that back and just say like I've done okay? There were Purdue fans going she back at, at him. Duty? saying uh <laughs> w- w- we do not want you yeah <laughs> they're <were> like <laughs> his, his <laughs> you're a bad representative of, of purdue faithful out there boy I,
1: didn't, I really didn't understand what this means though first off how that has anything yeah, to I do with I, I don't really follow that pretty can you read crazy? that one more time yeah sure um my tweet okay indy it was mid to late 80s in the evening and you're turning the tv knob on which channel do you stay and then it had like a montage of four all the four local channels and Boiler Bill's response was, pretty crazy to think you were watching this on TV as a kid and still unmarried today while standing in at cool six foot four inches. Remarkable. I don't have the patience to jack with you today. <laughs> I
4: don't know if Matt Painter wants Boiler Bill inside of Mackey this I, year. I, I, I didn't, honestly, was that a compliment or was I, he no, saying I like, I don't, I don't know what that meant. I am about as confused as watching Purdue try and score against Fairleigh Dickinson. On that end. <laughs> okay. By the way, I was thinking about this the other day. This is Tom Allen's sixth season, correct, Jake? Is that right? The over under wins for Indiana football this year is at three and a half. <laughs> sixth year as head coach, okay, and hold your over under of wins. Is I know three we're up against
1: it, but l- let's look at their schedule real quick. You ready?
4: I, I I looked at it, and all of a sudden I started counting them up, and I don't know. Okay, where hold on, hold on. Where it's going to four. Well, I'm going to get you to the Indiana over. I, I am.
1: Oh. Listen. <laughs> Hey, I'm now an alum of the university, so I can be, I'm going to be like foolishly optimistic here, but I'm going to show you where Indiana, we're going to do this. It's going to be easy. I'm going to pull this up and you're going to say, oh yeah, see, I was wrong, Jake. You are right. Indiana absolutely put everything, put the mortgage, put everything on the over. Okay, here we go. Indiana's schedule. I'm going to read this off to you and I'm going to tell you how they get to four. At home against Ohio State. No. At home against Indiana State, ding 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 ding. There's one, right? <laughs> home against Louisville, ding 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 ding. No, Two. No, 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 no. Lucas Oil. Uh, is that neutral site?
4: Neutral okay. site against Jeff Brom. I'm not calling that as a ding ding. Okay, ding. Fine. You, you, you know can what? Count that. You know as what? A ding, fine.
1: Ding, ding. I mean, Louisville's rebuilding. Jeff Brom's rebuilding. I like Jeff Brom, and I like Louisville. But
4: Louisville had a nice season last year.
1: Okay, I, I, then fine. We're still stuck at one with Indiana State. Akron. Ding 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 ding. There's two. At Maryland. At Maryland's a turnover machine. Eh, they probably aren't gonna win at Maryland because it's on the road. Uh, at Michigan, probably gonna struggle. <laughs> probably gonna struggle. Rutgers at home. Ding 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 ding. There's your third. No problem, right?
4: Those are some aggressive dings for
1: a big at ben Penn game. State. Okay, bit of a struggle. Home against Wisconsin. That's a possibility. There's your half. So now we're at three and a half. At Illinois, also a possibility. There's a half. Now we're at four. Illinois win like nine games last year? Michigan State at home. Total wild card. Michigan State probably wins. And then at Purdue, rebuilding for Purdue. Ryan Walters, new system. Indiana wins the bucket. And Tom Allen is running around kicking trash cans. LEO, LEO. Although at one time I did ask him if he liked ELO the Electric Light Orchestra, and he said he'd never heard of them. And I found that really weird, considering that he would have been like in high school in the 70s and they were pretty popular.
4: I bring that up to say, what does it say the state of your college football program where in year 6 your over over-under of win total is three and a half? <laughs> Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? It means you're in a tough conference, Kevin. About where the program... Well, there, there, there's no denying they're in a tough division, man. Luckily... That is about to be extinct for the Hoosiers. All right, uh, Pop Quiz time coming up in a few. Scotty's rocking a Chad Pennington jersey. Chad Pennington, the king of 62 mile per hour fastballs, but on point to be fair. And him and Randy Moss, outstanding back in the day. Uh, four pack, right, Mark? Is this is our final week. We're doing that for another week. Four pack tickets still another week,
0: but last of this week at least.
4: Four packet tickets to the state fair will continue. The pop quiz this week, to say it has been a struggle, would be the biggest understatement in the history of statements. So we'll see if we can end with something a little bit more positive on a freebie Friday. So a yes. Jiffy Lou Boyle change as well. Um, I would say, Jake, lead off the morning checkdown, but we know Mark is going to lead it off.
1: The morning checkdown. Omaha, Omaha! Omaha! Omaha!
2: Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, the
1: fan. Ball four. All eight,
4: <laughs> low and Vaughn has walked. The bases loaded on. I wish Mark put this much effort into other things. Uh, with the, the, show the Luke Weaver,
0: Weaver special, as we call it.
4: Gosh, that was painful. Dodgers it over the a Athletics. Tight strike zone, to be fair.
1: Dodgers sweep the Athletics, as a matter of fact, 8-2. What we're trying to avoid is talking about the fact the Cubs beat the Reds 5-3 yesterday. Reds now a half game out of first again in the National League Central because the Brewers beat the Pirates 14-1 yesterday. Are you going to
5: abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team?
0: That is just the best audio. <laughs> it's
4: so it's good. The goals. fact that he
1: has the uh in the middle of it is it's, great. It's
4: better than the upper quartile.
1: Giants over the Diamondbacks, one love, and cute fella, the Baltimore Orioles continue to flap the. Wings 6-1 over the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday.
4: Tonight we've got the fever back in action. They won earlier this week. Connecticut for a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, other sports things to note from the weekend. Uh, the United States women's national team. It is the knockout stage of the World Cup, 5 a.m. Sunday. So set your alarms early for that one against sweden by no means is this a guaranteed win for the u.s i mean honestly somewhat fortunate to get out of their group and we'll see if they can uh, get things together here in the knockout round but it has been a very un usa like performance for the women here in the world cup uh at nashville right jake for the indycar race coming up on that sunday? is
1: correct music city baby uh you can hear that race coming up at na- i'm hoping i can read scotty's writing is that 12 o'clock scotty when we get underway on sunday man that's an early crew call uh, 12 o'clock on Sunday, you can hear the IndyCar race in Nashville. Scott Dixon, the defending winner.
4: Why did I think Scott McLaughlin, t-shirt? Scotty? He won the poll, I
1: think. Last he won the poll. They're both named Scott. Well, oh, man. They both have accents. It's probably a good start. Yeah. Couple Scotty's good, wearing a uh, number 10 Jets jersey. Would that be Chad Pennington? Yes. Is that a game-worn? Yes. Scotty with a game-worn Chad Pennington yeah, jersey. Yeah,
4: real legit. Wow. I think Scotty could throw the ball further than Chad Pennington. Towards the end there, you're probably right. You know? I mean, there
1: can't be that many game-worn Chad Pennington jerseys. How many starts did he have in his career? I'll say 34. Oh,
4: no. More. More, more, more. Is he there that long?
1: Oh. I mean, I know he was a good player. I just – I figure once the injuries kicked in – Scotty, what would be your guess? It seemed like he was a starter for three seasons. The Jets, yeah. But another three
4: seasons for the
1: Dolphins. Well, but I'm talking about as a Jets starter since that's a Jets game-worn jersey.
4: 81 career starts for Chad Pennington with the New York Jets 60. Okay.
1: I wouldn't guess. I, I thought he was a really good player, but once his, I think he didn't he have a rotator cuff or something, and once his shoulder went down, his accuracy was not the best.
4: For those that bet on the Hall of Fame game from last night's first, one eight hundred with it is the telephone number. Yeah, that's probably an accurate statement. <laughs> uh, the overhead. one hundred nine with it twenty one sixteen. Dorian Ro- uh, Robinson Thompson. did I saying all that right? Thompson. I, want to kiss you. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. <laughs> A lot of late charge as the Browns came back to the Jets. Uh, All right, Pop Quiz, 317-239-1070. Freebie Friday, up next.
1: Kevin.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Did you just say that we need to wish a happy birthday today?
4: Yeah, Anne-Marie Tierden from WTHR. I love Anne-Marie. Saw that. Anne-Marie's very cool. Happy birthday, Anne-Marie. Amazing run she continues to have here. You know, in this market, she, of course,
1: kind of her co-host Scott Swan, who is like the nicest human being on the pl- Scott Swan and Eric Holverson both Eric Holverson's was at wish is now with Kroger. But um, in terms of news anchors, I mean, just people in general, but I think there's always kind of that stereotype of news anchors like, you know, that their ego, whatever else Scott Swan and Eric Holverson both and Amory, actually, all three of them are like the nicest, most down to earth, just totally cool people.
4: Yeah, she was in the uh, knockout with us. and That's right. And Marie was.
1: Well, she lasted a um, few rounds further than you during the knockout. Right. right? I
4: was Rick Carlisle to Tristan Thompson. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. Boy, Mark, you were quick on that. <laughs> Mark had that
4: ready to go. I, I wanted that to be brought up earlier in the week, Mark. What, what was that in reference to? I don't remember. Oh, what was Johnny that? King. Yeah, Jake, we Jake's, hardly knew the... Jake's guy, Johnny King. Yeah, Johnny. Did Has Johnny landed anywhere yet? Boy, I can't see him. Uh, I don't think he was too active Calgary on the waiver Stampede. claims yesterday. Uh, it is time for the Pop Quiz. It is a freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lou Boyle changed along with that four-pack to the state fair. So far this week, I would make the argument that the Pop Quiz effort has been worse than the Reds. Wow, that's probably pretty fair, though. Well, where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Only but up. Nowhere but up. We won't say that, though, to our contestants. Uh, Jake, and number one through eight. I
1: will
0: go with the number six. Numero
4: seis, Mark Dykton. Number six is Adam. Hello, Adam. Let's go. Good morning. Adam, Good morning. you're fired up, aren't you? Oh, I'm ready to rock. Let's trying to turn this around for us uh, callers here. Let's do it, Adam. You're carrying the flag for all all 18 listeners of Kevin and Querrey right now. So Adam, thank you for... Is this uh, your
1: maiden voyage on the pop quiz, Adam? This is actually my second second time. I think I was on probably about two or three months ago. Did we play Get to Know Your Listener for that time? We did. Yeah, we did. Refresh my memory.
3: Uh, favorite athlete uh, growing up? was alexander ovechkin uh northwest indiana is where i'm from now i
1: might have asked you this so so ovechkin obviously the washington capitals right yep and so you grew up in in the area where i'm assuming most of your buddies were blackhawks fans from a hockey standpoint so in that regard um what made you a capitals fan
3: well, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily a Capitals fan. I was mainly a Blackhawks fan. But I think it was just the
4: intrigue and all the hype around Ovechkin. And I was actually able to see him in his rookie season at the United Center. And uh, my dad was able to take me to go. And being able to see just a, a hockey player that had that much excitement around them, I think just made me kind of gravitate towards being a fan of his. Okay, hmm. That's a really That's mature cool. way to describe it it it's impressive Uh, Adam would
1: you like for me that would be Jake the uh, you know speaking of mature or Kevin to lead you off with question number
4: one here
3: I think I had Jake I think I had you Jake last time so let's roll with Kevin this
4: time okay All right, Adam good luck congrats already on the four pack of tickets and the Jiffy Lube oil change Coming your way. The Cleveland Browns beat the Jets last night 21-16. Struggling. It was the Jets' first appearance in the Hall of Fame game since 92, ending the second-longest active streak without a Hall of Fame game appearance. Should note, the Hall of Fame game typically pits two teams that have a Hall of Famer inducted into that year's class. Who currently has the longest streak of not playing in Canton? Is it the Panthers, the Lions, the Rams, or the Chargers? This is the favorite
1: team of my cardiologist. That's your hint.
4: You repeat them again really quick? Yeah, the Panthers, Lions, Rams, Chargers are probably or definitely the closest Lions. team to where you grew up. Nice. Okay, question the number Lions. two.
1: Speaking of the Hall of Fame game, Adam, I want you to tell me which franchise has the most wins in the Hall of Fame game. Would it be the Pittsburgh Steelers? Would it be the Raiders? The Commanders, obviously factoring in when they were the Redskins, and the Chicago Bears.
3: I'm going to go with the
1: Chicago Bears. Okay.
4: You sure, Adam?
1: Uh, no. How about this? They're hoping under new ownership they can continue their Hall of Fame game dominance. Let's, let's go with the
3: uh, Washington Commanders slash Redskins.
4: Scotty, I'm a little nervous with this one. I don't know if the Reds deserve a positive question in the pop quiz. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz, Adam, led off last night's Reds loss in Chicago with a home run, and he had a nice relay at home. That was about it. Uh, it's his second leadoff homer this season. Only one other Reds player over the past 50 years, has multiple home runs leading off a game before turning 22 years of age. Name the other. Jay Bruce, Eric Davis, Hal Morris, or Paul Canerco?
3: Let me go with Eric Davis. David is protecting his pitcher on the mound. But folks, those are balls.
4: Scotty, I barely remember Paul as a red. I just think a white sock through and through.
1: Okay, question number four for you, Adam. On this day in 1982, this former Indianapolis Indian, who many people think played professional football, became the only player in major league history to get a hit for two different teams in two different cities on the exact same day. Was it Junior Kennedy, Ray Knight, Joel Youngblood,
4: or Dave Revering? Oh boy. We'll go with Knight. All right, and close it out, Diana Taurasi, 42 points last night. Adam, as the Phoenix Mercury beat, uh, it's the Atlanta Dream, correct? Yeah, Atlanta Dream last night. Taurasi becomes the first player in WNBA history to score 10,000 points in her career. Wow, this is a huge gap to second. Who is second on the WNBA's career scoring list? Is it A, Tina Charles? B, Candace Dupree? C, Tamika Catchings? Or D, Tina Thompson? I'm going to guess Tamika Catchings. Uh, Not bad. Did Cynthia Cooper just not play long enough? Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. Hmm, interesting. Um, Okay, uh, not a bad effort. First off, the phone quality sounded great, and Adam sounds like a good dude, so just setting the bar there, he already was um, a terrific contestant on the pop quiz. Jake, with a little hint, one and two, he got correct, right?
1: Correct. Correct. The Lions in 91 Ah! and the Washington Commanders have won five Hall of Fame games.
4: Number three was the early slip-up, and it was the Reds, uh, I guess, the lead-off batter to have multiple home runs uh, before turning the age of 22. He said Eric Davis. The answer, though... That was Jay Bruce. Um, however,
1: you before you do the whole like long thing here, because um, this is interesting. On this on day, line, on this day in 1982, this former Indianapolis Indian got a hit for the Mets, playing in Wrigley, off of Ferguson Jenkins, Hall of Fame pitcher Ferguson Jenkins. Then got traded to Montreal. In the middle of the game, so he flew to Philadelphia as soon as the game was over with, played for the Expos that night, and got a hit in that game for the
0: Expos off of the Phillies. Steve Carlton, also a Hall of Famer. That player was Joel Youngblood. That is a different time, though. Like, Can you imagine getting traded no. and then they're still throwing you in the game later that day? That yeah. That's unheard of these times.
1: Any relation to Jack? I, the, are they brothers, Jack and Joel Youngblood? I've always wondered. Wasn't there a Joe Youngblood that also played football, though? Uh, there was Jimmy Youngblood. Jim Youngblood. Okay. And Jim and Jack fight for the Rams. Jack's the one that broke his leg, right? Was there a Jill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did they go up a hill? <laughs> oh, well.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
4: Boy, nothing says Friday 945 like this conversation. Uh, we'll do it one final time here. Kevin and Corey. Mercifully. Mercifully
1: couple of house cleaning items real quick. First off, want to again thank Run 317 for having me out to wave the green flag for last night's run, 3.17 mile run through Mass Ave. That's such a cool area of downtown, Mass Ave over by Bottle Works. Uh, they still have races coming up on August 31st in Carmel, September 21st in Speedway. These are races that are put forth where the money that is raised is $34 to enter uh 3.17 mile runs and then usually you get a beer ticket afterwards kind of a party uh go towards charity the one uh coming up uh to be a kid again is the charity that's going to be for Carmel and then the speedway one for the Speedway alliance Club so those two coming and up The Carmel one you said just uh, around the roundabouts? That's right. It's actually one roundabout. You you do mm-hmm. 17 times it's 3.17 miles. Got it. And then And, by the way, lots of construction detours on that run as well. Statues within the roundabout as well to (laughs) look at. Little cop that freaks you out. Uh, Today, 4 to 6, Crawfordsville Road, Advanced Auto Parts Store. I'm going to be there. Racing Simulator will be there. You get in the simulator, you take a couple laps, and boom. Tickets for Saturday's events coming up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Not tomorrow. A week from tomorrow, the event. And those events I'm talking about. The IndyCar and the Gallagher Grand Prix, of course, and the Pennzoil 150 in the Xfinity Series. We will get you hooked up with tickets, a pair of tickets to be able to go out while the supplies last. Uh, Four to six. Look forward to seeing everybody at Advanced Auto Parts today.
4: It's obviously not May, but I feel like this next kind of eight-day span here, Jake, is... Probably the second biggest racing chunk of a calendar throughout yeah, the year it for, is. for
1: us. Uh, Mike Thompson and I will be doing Beyond the Bricks coming up next week, by the way, from 8 until 9 o'clock each night uh, leading up to the weekend. And for certain, you know, Scotty and I were just talking about it, though, Kevin, like the early years of the Brickyard 400, just the events around town, I mean, it was unbelievable. So it was like,
4: 96 the first one? 94. 94
1: the first one? Yeah, 94 was the first one, and then... You know, and Gordon won that one. And then it was and Dale Earnhardt won the second. And then Dale Jarrett really kind of became the staple of it. He was the first that did the Kiss of the Bricks and that kind of thing. But it was, you know, I remember one time <clears throat> doing a story. I was working at Channel 6 and like Greg Biffle. Um, Greg Biffle was doing a promotion for Jiffy Lube. I think it was Jiffy Lube. And, um, you know, he you had two ways to get a free oil change back then one of them was to call in the pop quiz on free oh, sure. friday yeah, uh-huh. uh, the other was greg biffle was doing a promotion for jiffy lube where they were trying to set the record for most oil changes in a day so it was free and like biffle was there with his crew and afterwards i interviewed him and i'm like so i'm doing this interview with greg biffle about this promotion he was doing and i said man like you got to hope that When it comes time for the race itself, if you've got to come in and do an oil change, it'd be great if you had these guys, because look how fast they can change the oil to get you back out on the racetrack. And he goes... Yeah, dude, we don't change oil during the race. I mean, it's kind of a stupid thing to say. (laughs) Well, thanks for that. All right, welcome (laughs) to Indy.
0: I'm sure the sponsor's thrilled with that that answer. Uh It was fun while it lasted, right? (laughs) That's right. We have some news real quick. Uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN reports. uh, Oregon is expected to stay in the Pac-12 barring an 11th hour change that could have the power to keep the league together as Arizona has not finalized its deal with the Big 12.
1: I thought I saw. See, here's the other thing. I just saw a report like 20 minutes ago that said Oregon will accept the Big Ten invitation.
4: If there's a person I would trust in this, it is Pete Damle. I feel like he is. He's kind of the Schefter of college athletics. From this sort of it, um, he had a previous tweet just before the one that Mark Rad saying with the Pac-12 president meeting at the top of the hour there's optimism about the league's grant of rights being signed the key linchpin is oregon heading into that meeting the school is trending towards not going to the big 10
1: so then i wonder if that takes uh, stanford and cal back into the mix although maybe the pack 12 maybe you don't get him i mean
4: maybe in the end is the big 10 like eagerly you know try it i feel like this has kind of come out of the blue we had had that lull where no real expansion was happening you know next year's USC and UCLA into the conference I don't know I guess the big 12 is starting to expand a little bit more and more so maybe that has kind of pushed some other I think
1: Derek Schultz said it best the last time that we went through this and there was going to be all this realignment and Derek Derek's always said the the carousel was spinning and finally the Pac-12 threw up on itself and so they just stopped and everybody went home and that's kind of what this feels like, right? It's oh. like Oregon yacked, and they brought out the little goldfish bag with sawdust, and everybody, everything stopped.
4: looks like the Pac-12 was trying to put the vomit back in. I just pulled out a Laffy Taffy out of my pocket. I forgot I got this oh, for uh, well, Rosie. you like the
1: girl at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Here, do you want it? It's been in my pocket all day. Rosie
4: awesome. wanted to have this at Fat Dan's the other day. Well, and what I just, flavor are we going with I hid it in my pocket from her. Uh, cherry. Okay. Ooh, that's yes. a solid. That's all right. It's mm-hmm.
0: yeah. not bad. So you was hanging out at uh, Falcons Camp today? Uh, Matt Ryan? Uh-huh. Ding ding!
1: Now CBS for him, right this yep. year. So mm-hmm. what does what does Falcons camp have to say for themselves in terms of what fans can actually? We have, have Matt Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have Matt
0: Ryan. Um, <laughs> who is who's is he with? Mark? Is, is it Tiki it's, Barber? It's a it's, it's like a four person booth. Yeah, it's a crowd. Uh, it, it, it's booth. pretty
1: busy. Have they offic- Has Matt Ryan officially filed retirement paperwork? I don't believe
4: uh, so. I, I remember, wasn't that a big issue with how much the Colts are paying him this year? Oh, yeah. I guess that's right. Well, so the Colts are paying Matt Ryan in for a whale, but not Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What can make splits with no legs? What can make splits with no legs? You know, the Laffy Taffy jokes. I mean, come okay. on. No, no, no better a way to bowler. end the week. Mark? Yeah, I'll say a bowler. Banana.
0: Okay. Mm. What
4: can you call a car that never stops? A choke artist?
1: Oh, that never stops.
0: I don't
4: know. Cargo. Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Matt Ryan's group this year on CBS, Andrew Catalan, Tiki Barber, Matt Ryan, A.J. Ross.
4: Let Uh, me tell you. Greg Gumbel
0: out with that chain. Catalan
4: and Spiro, a lot of 1 o'clock Colt games. (laughs) A lot of 1 o'clock Colt games. Jake, have a great call in Nashville, and we will talk to everybody on Monday.